I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and we're on the verge of making a great podcast, and you're scapegoating tits. And I'm Alf Sedensky, and I've never done comedy, but it doesn't seem that hard. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 9, Episode 10, the season, and at the time we thought perhaps series finale, Fatwa, which originally aired on December 3rd, 2017. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but uh, from the moment Curb aired its first episode of season nine until the moment of the finale, the Minnesota Vikings played eight games and won all eight of them. And so uh, have they won uh, since then? <laughs> yes, not, not at the not at the same rate. <laughs> but listen, you know, we, we talk about like curses in sports all the time, but, you know, Curb seems to have been like the opposite of a curse, a blessing. Unfortunately, we have a slight curse. We had a, a guest <laughs> we hope to join us this uh, for this episode. And unfortunately, at the last minute, uh, she had to decline. Although I will say uh, to her credit, and this is true for, I think we've had two total guests decline. They've both been very nice about trying to reschedule in another week. But as we've explained to them, we have a schedule and we must go forward, only back, only forward. The uh, the overlords at uh, Big PPPVG, um, they yes. demand that we put out a podcast every exactly. week. And if we don't, we're what in What happens trouble. if we go so off we schedule? Said, think of the consequences. <laughs> we said, I'm sorry, but our hands are tied. We yes. really, you know, even we are not even, above the yes, policy. Exactly. <laughs> Take it up with consumer affairs. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking of the, the Mike Sure thing. He's like, Roger Goodell is, you know, he has the goons standing outside our office. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying. <laughs> I love that joke. Time. He always does that. He does that joke 10 times an episode. And I laugh every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Roger He's a funny Goodell. guy. Yeah. I would say Roger Goodell uh, doing better than some other commissioners at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, well, actually, it, it seems like basically all the like, when's the last time there's it. been a good commissioner, right? Has like, has there been a good commissioner like in recent memory that everyone's like, that's a good sports commissioner, right? There isn't. It's like maybe like in the, it was like Pete Rosell was like, I mean, well, Adam Silver has a very high approval rating, I think. I guess, but I feel like it's gone down in the last few years, right? Like he took a lot of flack with, I like, mean, with China. Uh, and... Name me the publicly held position where there's universal, I guess, right? You right, know, I especially guess, in these in anything, times. Yeah. Right. I guess everything. There's nothing that where anyone is like has a hundred percent approval rating anymore. Yeah. Or even, but like meaning, but like the the commissioners are like very bad. So you're right. Fine. Silver is like above average, like above fifty percent. So yeah. he's probably. Yeah. Like his approval rating is like fifty five, which is like the highest it could possibly be in Gallup. Yeah. I, I also I also think that these well, things doesn't tend- even go higher automatically. Yeah. You know, it's like. I think I think with age and time, people's um, get rehabilitated a little bit, and people only remember the fond fonder. Times. Of course. Oh yeah, so, George yeah. W. Bush, greatest president ever. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean that's solely because of Trump. Like if Trump doesn't exist, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. Uh, sure, maybe, like a million people die yeah. because of his policies, yeah. but you know, yeah. at least well, he didn't pa- tweet meanly. The, the, the painting was good, also. People like the painting, I think. Yeah, he yeah. also didn't try a coup, which to his credit, you know. Yes, well, I mean, it's not saying. something you need to like give. Right. Yeah. You don't need to like necessarily give presidents credit for not trying a coup. Well, you know but, what? I guess N- now we do. Name a single commissioner: Batman, Goodell. Manfred, none of them have tried to start a coup that we know of. So no, they're all doing coup. a great job. Yeah, well, that's well, it's it's easy to not have to start a coup when you have antitrust protection. And, like, <laughs> you just true, get to yeah. remain in power. <laughs> yeah. Although Bernie Sanders will send you an angry tweet once every couple of years threatening to revoke it, but nothing will happen. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. You have to just deal with the angry tweets. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, I don't know how we're talking about this, but let's jump into fatwa. <laughs> um, into fatwa. I don't want to be fatwa. Um, all right. Let's jump into fatwa. Um, I, I took a very popular course in college called the third rank uh-huh. 
or the Third Reich. And oh. it, was, it was a very, 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 very like it was one of the most popular courses in college. And it was it was about the Third Reich, you know, the German government from 1933 to 1945. And I was walking out of class one day and I was right behind these two girls and one turned to the other and she says, oh, my God, I love the Third Reich. And I was like, oh, boy, it's an awkward <laughs> name, name of a class. You take it out of context. So, yeah, uh, much the same with the episode title that we have today. Yeah, I actually I'm going to grab something from my bookshelf right here. Oh. Drum roll, please, as I stare at an empty screen. And so I have this book, which is a very famous book about the Third Reich that I have for years displayed prominently in my house called The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. It has mm. a giant swastika ah. both on the cover and, and on the on spine. The, out of the spine. So there's no and, way to have exactly. it and not, and not have a giant and swastika And I know this because when I was a kid, and I'm, I must have been like six or seven or whatever, when I, I, when I was having friends come over, I would hide the, our copy of that book in our library specifically uh -huh. because I was concerned about the large swastika that was showing yeah. on the spine. I was thinking people might think we're pro-Nazi. I mean, forgetting about the fact that we're Jews. <laughs> but I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I didn't really understand the context of, you know, it's much like how Trump yeah, takes well, the, the, the man of the year is like an award. It's like, oh, I'm so great. I got the man of the right. year. So, yeah, right. I thought, oh, if it's um, on a book, it must be an endorsement. Yeah. So my wife and I have had many arguments about whether or not a swastika should be on public display in our mm. living yes. room. Um, the, the books, take, my books have all now been relegated to the office uh, going take, forward. So Wait, were all the books removed because of this one book? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. That's, we, we've, we've decided to remodel oh, okay. a little bit. Um, um, we're in the process take, of remodeling. If you take the dust jacket off, there's yet another swastika on the physical book underneath it, or at least the version that we had. Which is oh, like mine is a version. mine is a paper mine is a paperback. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I will tell you, I've uh, I haven't read this whole book, but I read a lot of the rise, and uh, yeah. things are not looking good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never um, got I never got to the fall of this book. Uh, I mean, I know, uh, I know I've I've heard about the fall from other sources yeah. and stuff, but you know, this book, it's a very long book. <laughs> I feel like I should try I should try it again one day. At least start with a prologue that focuses on the fall so that you're not too depressed as you read about the rise. Right. It should be like one of those like in in media rens where it's like, I bet you're wondering how we got here. And it's like Hitler <laughs> yeah. the bugger. Yeah. And then that's like, it's like and it goes back. It's yeah. Like, I actually 33. I'm a little bit over. I feel like every like book of history that I'm reading lately does that. Yeah. And a kind of like, I'm so I mean, yeah, this book right it's, now, it's the, sometimes actually refreshing when you like you when you watch something, it's like, oh, it's just going to like start from the beginning of the story. Yeah, like. exactly. So I'm, I'm reading this book right now about uh, the impeachment of Andrew Johnson and the whole like oh. prologue or introduction is like about like the day of the announcement of the vote. And it's like, like, it's I don't understand what they're doing here. Like, if I want to find out the information, I can skip to the back of the book. I can look it up on Wikipedia. Presumably, I already know if I have enough interest to read this book. So I don't know why they feel like they well, we have to tell you the final step. And then we'll talk about how we got there. I don't really understand. Right. It's Spoiler alert. He was acquitted by one vote. Yes, it's uh, it's uh, it's much too common. And it was like a huge it was like a huge like even just like that vote. Right. It was like a huge like scandal. Right. Like they everyone thinks like that guy was like paid off or something. Uh, for, I mean, yeah, for sure he was. But but ironically for much until more recent times for much of history it was considered an act of heroism like uh it, john f kennedy in his book that he didn't write but that he was uh, awarded for not having written profiles in courage he writes a chapter about the uh the senator and right he was one of the profiles in yeah. courage who, and yeah. because it was like yeah even though and, and now there's been a reanalysis and i think partly it's been accelerated in, in even more tougher time because of trump and we've seen sort of uh you know there's no honor like uh, protecting somebody just anyways let's uh I don't yeah. know why we're talking. Major about profile and coverage for to, to Mitch McConnell for saying it was too late to <laughs> you know, it was too early to impeach him 
before the term ended and then too late to impeach him after the term ended and yeah. his hands were tied because right, you well, know let's rules are rules <laughs> fine and he, he is fine. not about the policy that he events you know what i already i already i already i already i've already watched ahead to 10.1 and mm. i've uh so i have like i have maga on my mind so oh i see, I, see. I, I watched it i watched it right before so i'm mm. uh, i keep going to that direction because it's uh, we'll get there we'll get there yeah, but can, there's great stuff with that maga you can't watch the next episode before you finish the podcast for the previous one because it messes with your mind yeah, well, you 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 understand from behind the scenes why why I did that, but um, I'm trying to figure mm. out going ahead. Okay, uh, okay, should we? Yeah, we should do this episode, right? Yeah. Anything else we want to cover? We cover covered Trump. We covered Nazis. Mm. F- fine people on both sides. Uh, Andrew Johnson. Let's see we've you, covered. Uh, Andrew Johnson. Let's see how many fine people we'll encounter in season nine, episode ten, the season nine finale. Uh, season nine, we hardly knew you. It's called uh, it Fatwa. Same again. length as all the other seasons, actually. Well, in terms of uh, in terms of actual minutes, it was the longest. It was actually the longest. That's true. Yeah. For sure, to this point, because before season nine, like there was no such thing as like, oh, this episode of Curb is going to be 42 minutes, like randomly, like finale, maybe. But like, oh, say episode six is 38 minutes for some reason. No, they didn't. Were any of them? None of them were like, I mean, like they did that with like friends where they supersize. It's like 40 minute episodes. Yeah, but like they would. But it was also would be like it was like an event. It was like they would like promote it for like six days. Friends is 27 minutes this week. Extra like a supersized friends. Yeah. It would be like national news that Friends was, you know, went four seconds over like, yeah, a lot of, exactly. you know, network permission. Okay, let's do it. Season nine, episode 10, Fatwa. We are starting out at the titular Fatwa musical. We are doing rehearsals for the Fatwa musical, actually, not the actual musical. And we are we have a scene where we're like cutting back together between Lynn Manuel Miranda. I know I said it wrong many times last week, and I got some uh, flack for that, and hmm. I uh, that's okay. I appreciate it. that's it was that was uh, constructive feedback. How, how many fun. names is Lynn Manuel? The guy's name. Lin Manuel. Yes. No, no, no. I was saying Lin Manuel. Apparently. Oh, sorry. You were adding an extra syllable in there. Yeah, I was saying Lin Manuel. The irony is, as somebody from from New York, um, how do you pronounce the stuff that, um, uh, like the stretchy brown stuff that's in lots of candy bars? Caramel. Oh, you do say three syllables. Oh, okay, good. I thought New Yorkers said caramel. No, I mean you say you say draw though instead of drawer. No, I say drawer. No, I've heard you say draw. No, okay. All yeah, right. I'm wrong. About no, it. maybe I say I probably say both. I probably, mm. I mean, I probably say both interchangeably mm. for some words. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we have this uh, scene where, like, we're kind of like cutting back and forth between uh, LMM and FMA, and I don't remember exactly what the back and forth was in terms of the lyrics, but you know, there, it seems it was like it's very good. Like they have this, like, I don't like. Right? It was like I do not like this man. Like that was like the I think the main refrain. Yeah. Um, and Larry and Jeff are looking on and they're like, wow, this is like going really well. Can't believe how, you know, we're, we're going to pull this off this fatwa. It looks very good. Now I have to note, um, F Murray Abraham, uh, or FMA as we're calling him, apparently is credited in this episode as playing the Ayatollah. Ayatollah. Yes. I saw that's that. incorrect. He's playing incorrect. himself. He's playing F. an yes. actor named F Murray Abraham, yes. who himself in fatwa is playing Ayatollah, but I wasn't looking up fatwa on IMDb. I was looking up uh curve enthusiasm. Fought with the episode, yes. not fought with the play. So much so that to, to your point, I remember when I was like looking ahead at you know, I look at the 
the cast so I had time to see like oh is there someone that we might be able to get as a guest like look around and I, I know I saw F Murray Abraham but like you know I didn't I didn't think to reach out to him necessarily but when I saw that I was like oh I guess there's a scene in which like the actual Ayatollah appears and that he played oh I guess there was right because we do see him like in the video right at the beginning so I guess in, in my head when I was like looking ahead to season nine I incepted that F Murray Abraham was literally the Ayatollah of Iran, not playing Ayatollah. Of Iran, right? Because I didn't, I didn't remember that he played him in the play. No, the, no, before we had the guy who season. played him. No, we saw him in in like episode two or three or whatever it was. I know. I'm yeah, saying I mean, before we even started, so before yeah. we even started season nine. Oh, when I was like, oh, when I was like looking ahead to being oh, like, wow. oh, who are the people oh. and different things, and I yeah, saw I see. F. Murray Abraham Ayatollah. I was like, oh, I remember there was like a video where the Ayatollah does a fatwa. I guess F. Murray Abraham played the Ayatollah. I didn't remember that he plays him in the play. Yeah, I'd, season nine, I had really forgotten a lot. I, I think season 10, I'll remember a little bit better because I think it was a better season. But I guess we'll see. It's also, um, I think this like one season, the first, really, there was. I yeah, think the so. first six or so seasons are seasons that we've rewatched, you know. Yes. A, yeah. a, however many times. Seasons nine, 10, and 11, we haven't really we rewatched because they're sort of too recent. So we only really saw them when they came out. But also season nine, by now it came out five years ago. So it's it's long enough ago that we don't remember it so well, but it's it's too recent that we would have been like rewatch it many times over the last 15 years. So I yeah, think that sort that's of right. falls in that crack of like if you did sort of a, a a chart of memory by season, there's definitely a dip. I think the lowest dip is probably season nine. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah so he goes up to uh, Murray and he tells him, you know, you're doing a great job, but I do have a couple pointers. You know, the way that you denunciate and denounce isn't you're, you're doing it with your fist. You should really be doing it with your finger. What I do and... like here, by the way, is as soon as he approaches him, you're like, oh, boy, here we go again. We've obviously right. seen this George doing it in, in Seinfeld um, to the to the to the actor playing Kramer. And we assume immediately, OK, here comes the conflict. But actually, at, at, at this stage, like the, the note is well taken and well received. Yeah, he's like, oh, OK, good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try a finger next time. Um, and he, uh, he tells Larry that he likes his shoes. I guess this is a foreshadowing to the season 11 finale. You know, we're already, you know, they're, they're establishing Larry's shoes as an important character in Curb. Um, so Larry goes up to Lynn and he tells him this is all going so great. Like, I can't remember the last time I was this excited. I think this is the second most exciting time I've ever had in my entire life. The first being the first time that I took off a bra. This is like my second bra, basically. And then he uh, he starts talking to Cody, who's, I think, the director of the show. And he is played, of course, by the great Nick Offerman, uh, very like against uh, character, against type character here. He's like such a straight. I know he kind of is always a straight man, like even Ron yeah, Swanson is a little I don't bit think of a straight so. man. He's quite on character. Well, no, but like he's like just completely just like a plain person. Like Ron Swanson is like you know a super like crazy character. Well, I'll say this: when I see him on, when I first saw him you know, as, as Cody Gucher in this scene, I immediately paused and I was like, wait a second, what stage of Nick Offerman's fame is this? And then I looked up, no, this is after he had finished Parks and Rec. Like he, he was like at his peak. Yes, of fame. Maxim, maximum fame. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, they and really kind of sneak him in there. They sneak him in there. And like, frankly, like it was very nice to see Nick Offerman on screen. It always is like hearing his voice is very pleasant. But you didn't need they, him necessarily. They, they kind of wasted him. Like they didn't yeah. really, they give him a part that like any generic person could play. Like they didn't make use of having Nick Offerman there. He plays yeah. this like very dry vanilla character who just like, there's nothing quirky or interesting about this guy. Like 
he's just very like go with the, he's like oh okay yeah great 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 job he's good at his job yeah. like doesn't fight with larry like the, the fight that he has with larry he's completely right and reasonable and larry's being a maniac yeah well we'll uh, get there uh, you know, I, I actually want to think about one thing. So one of the, one of the more absurdities of this season is it's gone on is like there's no you know continuation from episode episode episode. For example, you can start a war in, in Will Rogers Park and there's no consequences. I think we did see sort of a a consequence from the last episode in that Larry, by virtue of not having been able to get in the good chair, he did cave on everything here, right? Like the songs yeah, are, are LMM songs. They're in LA, so right. they're, which is where, where which is where Lynn wanted them to be, not where Larry wanted them to be. Right. Um, it, it, Larry acknowledges the, the benefit of having gone in the weeds, which you acknowledged last week. Um, right. Do you like? There's a random shout out. Larry says, "How about that, Susan Stroman?" Yeah. So I googled that. Uh, Susan Stroman is a choreographer. She actually choreographed this episode. She choreographed Fatwa, the musical. Oh, in the Curb. musical. We don't see her on screen. However, in season four, she was on screen when she was choreographing Larry and David Schwimmer in The Producers. Interesting. So she's a a real life uh, Broadway producer and choreographer, excuse me, who choreographed two Broadway shows within the context of this show, one of them on air, one of them off air, and then gets a shout out even in the other one. So that's kind of a uh, she's got a very cool, uh, you know, depth of relationship with with, uh, Curb. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was at you know, now. Now you mentioned I was thinking like, who do you think wrote the music here? So I was actually just occurred to me that you know we were talking about how Justin Hurwitz was involved, and I was then I just had the realization that maybe that's why he was involved in these episodes. That maybe he was because they needed like a musical person. Okay. But of course, then you also have Lin Manuel Miranda there, so he easily could have just written these songs. I mean, I, I assume Larry didn't write. I, them, I did assume it? Larry wrote these. With, with oh, you Larry did was the, the credited writers of the episode, right? But just because he's cre- the credit writer of the episode doesn't mean he wrote the songs that are used. Oh, here we go. How much did Lynn? I'm reading this. I just as we're talking, I'm pulling up this EW interview with Jeff Schaefer. Um, yeah, it sounds like like Lynn's stuff. He freestyled. Um, he does mention we did have Justin Hurwitz involved. I mean, the show Sorry, is whatever. They're 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 not you know they're not they're not attributing credit to any specific person, which is, makes sense. Larry and he says Larry and I wrote Larry's remedial version of "There's a Fatwa" before we brought Justin in. Okay, okay. So it sounds like Justin Hurwitz was very involved, and probably Lynn Man- Lynn Manuel um, chipped in as well. And it's, yeah, okay. So it was a team effort. It was it was good to have people with music ability there to take it up a notch from what Larry and Jeff uh, were able to put together. So that's a good team effort. Good work. Good work, team. Okay. So uh, Larry tells Lynn that he had a wow moment during the play, and he thinks that it might be a good idea to add the old, the old original opener back to the front. And he starts singing it, and Lynn's like, oh, that's more like a, a bonus track, right? What's that's the uh, the the Fatwa mixtape? Yeah. They say it's. Or what do they call the, it? What do they? What do they call like the Hamilton releases? Yeah, Hamilton drops. They said it would be for the record. It would be for the record. That, you know the CD that they publish for the show. Right. No. Right. No. I mean, they also like on, for Hamilton. They have what those like Hamilton drops, right? Occasionally, like they would like just drop like new songs. Online, you're saying that weren't actually yeah, in yeah, play. Yeah. 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 So they'll do like a Hamilton drop of like the acoustic version of like covered by Kelly Clarkson of yeah. the the original opener that Larry wrote. They'll do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. 
So Larry starts uh, asking Cody what he thinks. And like you, Cody's clearly like, getting very nervous. Uh, he says it's a great song. Uh, he's like clearly just like trying to be polite and like compliment Larry without uh, saying his real opinion, which is that Linz is better. And Lynn is like really persistent, shouldn't be in the show. And yeah, here here's another one. Lynn just absolutely wins. You know, it's just, he set the dynamic. But here he's not yeah. in the chair, I guess. But I guess he's just like he's already just like taking hands. Yeah, I mean, also his song is better than Larry's song. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I mean, who are we kidding? Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, it, it, this, it could be the type of thing where, like, when you're on a late night show, <laughs> you're like, oh, you want to hear something funny? Yeah. Here's, like, the original version of the song before, like, we got, like, Lynn involved. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's incredible how dominant Lynn is of Larry throughout the... Like, I, I love his thing, how, like, he'll always ask if Larry likes something, and when Larry says yes, Lynn will be like, well, I'd like to see <laughs> options then. He, do, he does it, um, he does it with, I think, at least twice, right? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that particular trend. But yeah, I mean, but yeah. it's like it's also understand. I mean, they clearly play him out to be a humongous prick in this episode. Yeah, but also, well, it's like, yeah, well, you brought me in to like do this musical. Like, yeah, we're gonna do like the songs that I wrote, not like you're, you're sure. like a comedy writer. Except like, of remember, Larry didn't bring him on because he thought Olin is great at producing <laughs> right. a Broadway musical. Larry brought him on because he was following the request of the um, imams from last week. Right, that's true. Yeah. The, the imams who don't, but the imams don't. If only the imams properly understood that when you get Lin Manuel Miranda involved in your Broadway production, like you want him for his composing and writing ability, not for his acting. Like his acting is like fine, but like that's not like that's not his the top of his talent. Like that's not why you want him. I guess you want to see him. That's what makes it exciting that he's in it. Like if you're a big fan, but like if you're getting him, you want him to write the music. Yes. Again, only like that's not how Larry thinks. Larry has him just, you know, purely to check a box, I think. No, I understand. I'm saying I'm criticizing yeah. the imams. I'm saying the imams don't properly appreciate Hamilton. They're like, oh, we got to get that Lin Mail Mail because they only want him as an actor. They think, yeah, they're like thinking, oh, we got to get the guy who played Alexander Hamilton in that awesome Maybe show. Maybe they know and, about his reputation and his personality and they know. The main thing we're worried about here, the reason we put a fatwa on him in the first place is not because we're against him doing a play about this. It's because Larry, we saw Fish in the Dark. He's not so great at Broadway. He's great at TV. He's not so great at Broadway. <laughs> so we have to tell him that he's got to bring in Lin-Manuel Miranda because then it will become an amazing show. Right. So maybe it was like the moms are playing. If Larry David shows. makes a, makes a fatwa musical. Yeah. Like no one's going to even see it. It's not going to be good. It's going to get no. terrible reviews. It's going to be yeah. laughed out. But like we want people to see this fatwa musical because the, yeah. the the time that the Ayatollah issued a fatwa on Salman Rushdie, make a that musical, was like make one, a musical. Yeah, and that was like one of the great things that anyone has ever done was to issue that fatwa. So we need to have every person in America needs to see this and what an amazing fatwa it was. Um. So yeah, I think that I think we 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 nailed it. Hmm. So um, Larry tells uh, Lynn that he's been thinking that it would be nice if he took out the cast for like a fun activity before the previews, kind mm. of like, you know, build camaraderie. And Lynn thinks that's a fantastic idea. And Larry says, I was thinking paintball. What do you think? <laughs> Which is the craziest sentence that's ever been uttered on Curbs, that Larry Davis yes. is suggesting paintball. In any context, let alone a group of people who can <laughs> risk getting injured or have bruises uh, because they're about to perform. But yeah. Right. But also, like, you like... Right. You also just like very recently did like basically paintball and like almost got murdered. Yeah. Also, paintball's not very good. I gotta be honest here. I was never Yeah, I hate paintball. Yeah. I went only one time and I was miserable the whole time. Oh, just, I was afraid that... the whole time. I was like, I don't want to get shot by a paintball. Yeah, like, that's a masterful job of only I, I got <laughs> shot in the mouth once. 
which tastes very bad and also hurts. I got shot like I actually after- don't think I ever got shot. I always think I was like too afraid. I just like stayed in the back and like, yeah, well, that's better. Now, I actually really liked I mean, you know, when I was younger, I think I've passed these days in my life, but I really used to like laser tag. Yeah, I because remember there, the you know I remember. what's happening. Yeah. You're not actually getting shot with balls of paint. <laughs> yeah, right. I really yeah. did. I, it's the, a fun game. The entire to play. time like I was playing, flag, pay- you get to pretend you have a gun and shoot people, but there's no actual consequence when you're done. Yeah, the the entire time that I played paintball, the only thing I cared about was not getting shot by a ball of paint. That was my only objective. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think I was successful from what I recall, yeah. but like it was very not fun. I just like just tried to stay away from any possibility of action. Um, the main thing I remember from when we, I went paintballing, I don't know, I think it was either in camp or something, our uh, mutual friend from high school mm. was one of the other people there. Mm. And the before before they before we started they gave us like all the ground rules and like basically the only real rule was that like you're not allowed to take off your helmet like no matter what at any time from the time paintball starts until the time paintball ends they're like not if it's like in between rounds like you just don't take it off because obviously like they're the main way that they have any liability is like someone gets shot in the head with a paintball like they could be in big trouble so like we're about to start play ball it's about to be like the first round and like the guy comes over and he's like he's like trying to say something to us and took off his head to be like what i can't hear you and he's like you're out of paintball and he didn't get to play paintball because he violated the only rule of paintball yes <laughs> and like he was like so innocent like he was just like he literally like, he couldn't hear the guy he's like what i'm like i can't hear you mm. he's like you're out you're done go home like you don't get to play at all today mm. so it sucks for him mm. <laughs> instead he didn't get to have to get to have fun like me standing in the back like a yeah. loser afraid of getting shot by a paintball <laughs> okay so lynn uh, goes over to talk to the wardrobe manager tells him he doesn't have the tweet exactly the way he likes it and he should really get him something more professional. He asks Larry for his opinion. Larry likes it. And he's like, yeah, I need more options, as you said. And he can keep going through the wardrobe. And Lynn stops to ask Larry if um, he can do him a favor, which, as it turns out, he has his cousin Valentina and her husband coming in for the show. And they had an Airbnb lined up and it just fell through. Would it be OK if they stayed in Larry's house? Which is an absurd favor. Yes. I mean, uh, Lin-Manuel only knows one person in L.A., apparently. Also, it's like, what about hotels? Like well, there's only Airbnb one hotel. Is- we know that already. <laughs> right. It's all booked. There's one hotel and there's one Airbnb. The weirder part is like that we're going to learn that they're swingers. And like the implication <laughs> is that's why they needed Larry's house. But like, I feel like swingers would be very comfortable in hotels. would be quite used to them. Yeah. I mean, maybe they like having a lot of like more rooms. So, but, but then I guess you, need, you should still get a big book, suite. More, those are expensive. more rooms. Yeah. Get a big suite and have sex all over it. Yeah. Well, no, you want a house. Like you, you want there to be a common spaces for an orgy or swingers type thing, right? You don't want it to be like we're going to stand in the hallway and decide like who's going to fuck who. Well, and then, like, again, will I mean, go you to can rooms. rent like large fancy suites in hotels. Yeah, you have to get a suite, but those are expensive. Yeah. Well, I guess this is this costs nothing because they're just using someone's house. <laughs> right. Their will, so. A house gives you a lot yeah. more space. Houses are very good for space. Yeah, if you're planning on having sex all the way across Larry's house, true. <laughs> no, because I, I, you know, I. From what I've been told, there you know there are stages to a swingers event. It doesn't just go straight. Like there's also like a, a socializing period, so it's like nice to have like a, a living room. But yeah, so a large hotel suite with four rooms would also work very well for this. Maybe the uh, with the pretty 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 good finale will do as a, a live uh, swingers event mm, in, a, okay. in a hotel suite. <laughs> that sounds like quite a party. Yeah, Everyone we probably won't do that, yeah. <laughs> but, but maybe we will. That. Everyone will have a chew. <laughs> we shall all enjoy a chew. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So um, Larry's like, why can't they stay at a hotel or stay at your place? The question that we've been asking. <laughs> yes. And yeah, Lynn tells him, well, you know, they're an interesting couple. They don't like to do hotels. And, you know, uh, this, we, is, this Vanessa, is the worst thing that Lynn Manuel does in this episode, right? Uh, this is the worst thing that anyone has ever done to another person. Yeah. Not Foisting swing or swingers onto well, someone. I don't think it's swingers. It's someone's going to use your house for a party and break things and destroy things. The sex part is like almost like tangential. I guess. Like if, if they were like if they were like having sex in the privacy of their own room, then who cares? It's having other people over and breaking things and yeah. I mean, they shouldn't have a big party with lots of people that and and, and make a mess. Yes, that's yeah. very bad. Uh, I told you they were interesting. <laughs> um, and um, Larry agrees, fine, I'll have them over. And Lynn thanks him and continues picking his wardrobe. And Larry's very bothered by the tepid thank you he received. He's uh, He thinks that's like the kind of thank you that does not match the jester, which is absolutely true. Like that, that should be like a very hearty thank you. And uh, Lynn, like, again, like, thanks him, like, very weakly, very weak ass. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And Larry uh, is just, like, very frustrated and uh, walks away, says, see you later. Now, here's my question. Every interaction that we've seen between Lin-Manuel and Larry David has been incredibly difficult and awkward, including, like, a physical fist fight last week. We have never seen a smooth interaction between the two of them. How have they managed to get this far with the show? Um, yeah, that's true. The right. show they, seems they, they to be, a, be an amazing success from the little pieces we've seen. Is that just a credit to how amazing Lynn Manuel is, basically? Right. Yeah. I mean, based on what we've seen, they should be completely inca- in- incompatible. Like, there's no way they should have made it this far. Although I feel like that's like um, that's like a common like sitcom trope where it's like they establish a thing where it's like if you actually like mapped it out, like these people, these people just like can't coexist. Like, this never should have gotten to even yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Like with well, like, yeah, you so. know, you have like, you know, like uh, the girlfriend of the week often on like sitcoms where it's like, like, there's no way like every scene that we see them like they're like they're horrible. <laughs> like, yeah, they're not wasting time. How can with, they? Yeah. Right. There's like there's no way that like they're like having dates where they're mostly having a pleasant time. Like they're constantly bickering and like having petty arguments. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, you know, every everything we've seen is bad. <laughs> yeah. But it's just it's especially noticeable because in season four, Larry went to the extent of producing like we've already seen him make a Broadway musical in Curb, right? Which, by the way, it's kind of weird. We got nine seasons and two of the nine had the exact same somewhat unique, uh, you know, season-long story arc, uh, which is, you know, making a Broadway, uh, yeah. like, musical. However, that yeah. season, we saw his conflict with all the different parties involved, the other actors, etc., and we saw the, the consequences of that. And here, there's just, there's no consequence. Yeah, I mean, also, like, this really, like, it was, like, the first two or three episodes, and then we t- took a big break in the middle and a bunch of standalone yeah. episodes, yeah. and then, like, it circles back at the end. Also, um, yeah. The producers was, like, that was the storyline. Almost, I'm not going to say literally every episode, but it wouldn't even surprise me if literally every episode touched on that storyline in some way, but it was, like, always there. Like, you never went two They'd weeks where, like, the producers wasn't mentioned. Yeah, like, it was, yeah. that was, like, the it was, yeah, it was a through line of the season. Um, and it was also just much better, and the payoff was amazing, and, you know, it's different. We're talking different ballparks here, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, yeah, so we um, go to a restaurant where Larry's going out with uh, Jeff and Susie, and they're waiting for the funk man to arrive. Do you want to know what question you asked about this scene um, when you when you saw this episode, I guess, what, what it was, five, six years ago? Oh, because you listened to, to Akiva's <laughs> yeah. pod? Yes, yes. What, what did I ask here? 
you asked how ridiculous it is that on the week of Sammy Green's wedding, that like Susie's just like out and about, oh, yeah, going out to going out to dinner with Larry and, and the Funk Man, mm. like not like freaking out uh, like that, like Sammy's getting married in three days. Mm. Well, I've got good news for you because <laughs> I'm reading here in my notes, and it says. Uh, we hadn't got there yet, but why would Susie even want Larry to make a speech at Sammy's wedding in the first place? <laughs> yeah, you asked you asked that too. Why is Susie even hanging out with Larry a few days before the wedding? So, great right, minds are still alike, Meaning, um, <laughs> my own mind from now and from five years ago. <laughs> yeah, I should I should write these down. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll do that for season ten. I'll write down the the Chester takes from 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 last time and see how they match up to these so far they've been pretty consistent which mm, i guess okay. is good, good. I, I, I guess it's on brands like that like you just you know you, you think what you think yeah i mean i you know at least uh yeah that's pretty good all right yeah it works um so yeah so they're like very annoyed that Funkman is late and they're like all right you know what why don't we just um sit down and we'll have some appetizers and order dinner yeah i like how he like throws that in after it's like at first you think like okay we'll have apps and we'll wait he's like no and we're, and we're, we're just we're just going ahead like we're, we're, mean, gonna, we're gonna have i'm surprised the show doesn't do more to play up the bridezilla aspect not of sammy because who cares about sammy but of Susie. right yeah you could have done a whole episode uh built around like Susie as bridezilla and yeah that could have been phenomenal for sure or, or yeah, instead, like the, the wedding just ends say. up being yeah, the wedding just ends up being like a footnote. Um, yeah, in the season, and, and Larry does. I mean, not. I mean, relative to how he's ruined other events before, like her bar mitzvah. I guess it's not that ruined, right? right? There's nobody <laughs> talking about gerbils up in anus, but Larry does cause you know significant harm to it, and Susie seems. Uh, I would say significant but... harm. Whatever. Like this, it, this, what ends up happening here is not a big deal. I mean. I don't think it is, but I guarantee you Susie would feel differently. And if this happened at your wedding, I guarantee your wife would feel very differently. Yeah, no, it would be great. But it's like, honestly, also, like, I don't even think after after um, um, Casey Wilson gives the, the, the toast and Susie rushes her off, the, they shot. They, they do like they span they, the camera pans the crowd who are giving this very tepid applause and people's faces look really sort of disgusted and shocked. And then Susie says, enjoy the rest of the party and like skulks off like. From the perspective of the party as we see it, it's been effectively ruined. Now, does it need to be because of one awkward yeah. speech? No, there's an awkward speech at everybody. Who cares? Right. Yeah. yeah. So to, to me, maybe to me, I think more people, the thing they're going to remember about that wedding is that was the wedding where there was a large bosoms signing lady more mm. so than that was the wedding where like some probably drunk girl got up for two seconds and then was told to sit down and like was giving some weird speech like. I yeah. think that's like I don't think people even remember that. They'll remember that like no one was paying attention to the chuppah because there was a lady gesticulating on, mm. the, on the stage yeah. and, her, and her boobs were f- flapping about. Mm. Did you um did you have a signer at your wedding? <laughs> I don't believe so. Mm. Well, we had signers of we had signers of so we had signers of documents. Oh yes, yes. But... I said was that because the, the signers' boobs were hanging out and so your wife kicked her kicked her out. Oh uh, yeah. no. Um, no, we didn't have one. Mm. But the signers of documents did any of them have their boobs hanging out? No, they were all men because, mm. you know, women don't have the capacity to sign legal documents in our religion. Yes. Okay. That's great. <laughs> uh, so Larry goes up to the waitress and says, all right, we're here. David reservation. And she's like, oh, well, is your entire party here? Mm. And I feel like we, we had this once before, right? Yeah. I feel like in an early season. Yes. And, and, and with I Larry said, and Cheryl, right? Yeah. And I, I absolutely hate this. Like, it, it's, yeah. it's the most annoying thing in the world. I hate when restaurants do this. Like, let you sit down and start getting food and drink. And like, and, and by the way, if when they don't let you, they'll offer you to go sit at the bar. 
Here, they don't even do that, right? Like, and by the way, if they're so hungry, they could have sat at the bar, they could have ordered food at the bar. There was empty seats at the bar. We see that. But instead, LD and the Greens have to sort of like hang around awkwardly just in like the reception area. Yeah, we once were, we came and then we had to like wait for a really long time. They told us we could sit at the bar, but then they also sold us that there was no one available to work at the bar. Oh, so okay. Well, that's very It bad. was very bad, very bad combo. Well, this restaurant they're at is the same one that they come to, at least from the outside, from the street view um, in season 11 in Rasmussen. Oh, interesting. Uh, not season 11, excuse me. Um, yeah, and the only reason I know that is because I had, like studied the screen grabs of that one because I was trying to figure something out about the park. For some reason <laughs> I had studied it. And so when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, I recognize that. But the inside is different. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So she tells him that it's, it's about not, you know, their policy is that we don't host incomplete parties because the chef likes to cook for complete parties because that yeah. makes for the optimal dining experience. Yeah. And Larry is very upset. He says to him, the optimal dining experience would be to eat when you're hungry. Yeah. And the waitress is very sorry, but, you know, there's nothing we can do. Now, I assume the so, real reason they do this is because they don't want you occupying the table. They think it's going to be longer. I don't know. Why do restaurants do this? Yeah, that could be it. Um, yeah. What? What? Because like in that scenario, can you can you make an executive decision and say, fine, we want to eat now, but we're four, we're we're not a four person, we're three person. When Funkhauser comes, you have to tell him that he's like he's out. Well, like, yeah, would they but, say okay but, to that. Well, they might say no because you made a reservation for four, and so we're charging you for that, or you know, you you know, we're giving up your table, and you got to wait for a three person. Right. That's what I think happened last time. The kind of annoying restaurant that does this is going to do things like that also. Yeah, I think that's what happened last time with Larry and Cheryl, where it was like they were supposed to be four, but then the other two people couldn't make it. So they're like, we're two yeah. now. And then they're like, no, like you have to be four. Or years, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, I should have looked yeah. it up. Oh, well. Um, So he goes back and tells Jeff and Susie and, you know, you're obviously uh, not thrilled. And he tells them about the whole paintball thing he's organized. And uh, Jeff likes it. He's like, good for you. And it's a great idea to bond. And uh, Susie's like, what are you, crazy? You can't do this paintball on Saturday. It's Sammy's wedding is on Saturday. And Larry's like, really? I thought it was the following week. Um, this is like the accidental of the trick that him and Cheryl do at the party, right? Where yes. they, they pretend they, they thought it was the next night. If he really didn't um, want to go, think, he should have yeah. just done that, actually. Yeah, I think no. I think he's sincere here. I think he forgot. He's not going to yeah. not go to like Jeff's daughter's wedding. That's crazy. It would have been better for everybody if he didn't show up. <laughs> no, he should have showed up. He ruined it by not showing up. <laughs> true, true. He would he would have still ruined it just in a different way. Right. It's true. Honestly, they got off easy. Yeah. They should sign for like this version of ruining that Larry yeah, didn't show up. And, like this crazy yeah. lady came and like done. Like yeah, relative to what be... you would expect from him. Yeah, not bad at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He might try to like steal something from the casket during the funeral. <laughs> um. So he's like, "Are you out of your mind? Like I sent you a save the date. I sent you an invitation." He's like, "You sent me too much stuff." Like, yeah. Was, like, I, I, kind of, I kind of. I kind of. I kind of hear it. It's like overwhelming and then you just forget about the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, well, you know, I'm sure it'll work out. And uh, Susie reminds him that he promised to give a speech and she apologizes. Which again, I don't cranky. understand wh- why she would want that. That's a terrible yeah. idea. And you know this. He literally got up at her bar mitzvah and gave a speech about how he didn't have a gerbil in his anus. Yeah. Do you think it's like um, like vanity maybe that like Larry David's like the most famous the person they know? So it's no, like because they, for like sure they, they know him. more it's famous like people. She's friends with Ricky Gervais. Like she's always friends with all these celebs, right? 
yeah, but maybe who knows if they are coming to the wedding? Like, yeah. is he really friends with Ricky Gervais? Like, Larry David might be the most famous person at the wedding, and it's like he still like is like social climbing a bit. Then maybe you give like, him something. Have Larry give the toast. Yeah, you have him do something. Well, I mean, he is a comedian. You think he'll say something funny and witty, but yeah, but right, I'll, yeah, and people will get a kick out of it. Him. You know all the things he's ruined. By the way, at the like, bar, John. If Jerry Seinfeld was at the wedding, if Jerry Seinfeld was at the wedding, they would have asked Jerry Seinfeld. John, John, yeah, but Jerry Seinfeld isn't Susie's enemy the way that Larry is. Who she's always, um, John Legend was at the Bob Mitzvah, so I'm sure the wedding is getting a good guest list. Yeah, but John Legend wasn't a big deal at the time, I think, right? My point is, Susie's forcing Jeff to buy the house. She's forcing Jeff to grease whatever palms he has to to make sure that it's a star-studded right, right. affair. Although we really Fair don't enough. see any in the crowd, actually. Interestingly enough, yeah, I think Larry's the most famous person there. Mm, yeah. Okay, you're right. All right, good. Settled. Where are, where are Jeff's other? Uh, oh yeah, he doesn't have any. <laughs> Look at Clive Owen in season 10. Right. Okay, so he uh, Larry's like, you know what? I have an idea. And he goes up to this lady at the bar, uh, played by the great Casey Wilson. She couldn't be her in person, but uh, she's still in the episode. Mm. Um, and he's like, hey, um, we have a situation. This is not a pickup of any kind. I don't pick up. I only put down, pick down. I don't remember the exact word he says. And uh, Larry's like, hey, so here's what the deal. Like, we had four our fourth didn't show up, you're going to be our fourth. You're going to be the stand-in. And she's like, okay. Like, she's game. And Larry goes up to Susie and Jeff and's like, all right, let's go. We're going in. And he tells the waitress, our fourth is here. We'll be taking our table now. And she shows them to their table. So they sit down to eat, and Larry asks uh, the lady what she does. Her name is Marie, we'll later learn. And she tells him she's an actress. And she's like, aren't you the guy who has the fatwa? Like, what are you doing outside? Aren't you afraid? And he's like, no, they called it off. I'm a free free man now. It's all good. And she gives him her card. He takes it. He's like, listen, I'll take your card. There's no chance I'm ever going to call you. But, you know, I'll take it. No problem. And Jeff is like, you know, has it occurred to you that maybe the fatwa hasn't really ended? Like maybe like, you know, it's like with uh, at the end of the war when like there were still Japanese soldiers on that island who thought the war was still going. Yeah. Um, this reminds just, me there's this story. Everything they mentioned in the scene, you're like, oh, so this is coming back. Oh, so this is coming back. There's right. no reason for people um, to say that. Yeah, there's this story that there was like there was like this um, tribe of like African Jews who like eventually like made Aliyah and came to Israel at some time in the mid 20th century. And they, when they were going, thought that the temple was still there because like they are, you know, word didn't travel very well. Oh, so they were very disappointed on arrival. Yeah. They thought like they had, they had no knowledge that there was no longer a temple in Jerusalem. Mm. They thought it was still there because like the last they had heard there was a temple in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very disappointing point to learn and the learning that no although you know it's it's ironic because they came at like the best time that they actually could go there but it was still like considerably worse than what they expected but yeah it was, like but it was the best better time than any years. other time that they actually yeah. could have gone yeah if they had come in any that's previous, what i'm saying but yeah. like they were and yet they were still just yes it would be, yeah be, and yet they were disappointed because like they they had no knowledge of this interregnum period where <laughs> there was no temple there was no nothing and there was no jews or there's some jews yeah I'm saying there was no jews there was there was an amount of jews we don't need to get into this. So yeah, so it could be a similar situation as the uh, the Japanese and the uh, the African Jews, where you know there could just be like some guy out there who's like, we actually talked about this, I think, a week or two ago. Where it's like just because like these imams say it's over, like, oh, the guy's like, oh, I, I it's handled. Like there's gonna be there's people out there who are still under orders to murder Larry David upon sight. Like that's not easy to like get word out. Like what kind of like uh, you know call forwarding situations they have there to like you know get word out. Like they just put on social media, fat was off, and it's like yeah. known. 
I mean, no, that's the what they're expecting. Yeah. Forgot yeah. about the stragglers. So, uh, so yeah, so Marty finally comes in and uh, Larry turns to Marie and says, okay, you can go now. You, st- you stood in very well and uh, I will call you if I ever need an actress. Uh, so Marty sits down and says, um, that was weird. And Larry says, you know, it's customary for the party who comes 20 minutes late to apologize, wouldn't you think? Mm-hmm. And Jeff and Susie agree. And Marty tells him he's sorry, but he doesn't really mean it. Yeah. And Larry's like, this you is ridiculous. If I showed up sec, late, sister. yeah, I'd be apologizing like I killed your family. And Marty's like, you did kill my family. Yeah, very you strange, very strange thing for Larry to bring up given his history with this family. Yeah, except I, in my opinion, Marty killed his kid just as much as Larry. Well, I didn't even mean the kid. He's everyone in the family. But yeah. Right. Yeah. But meaning this particular thing, Marty has no reason to be more mad at Larry than like Larry didn't contribute more to that than anyone who was involved. Yeah. But um, So, yeah. So Susie asks if they should get a bottle of wine and everyone agrees. So we're having some wine. We go to uh, rehearsal again the next day, and everyone is like really thankful to Larry because they heard about the paintball trip coming up on Sunday, and uh, everyone seems to be giving him the proper amount of thank yous. Everyone's cheering, thank you, Larry, thank you, LD. And uh, Cody comes over to thank him, but explains that he can't be there because I have a job on that day. I have a commercial shoot, and you know I just I can't do both. And Larry's like, well, what do you get paid for a shoot? And he says, twelve hundred dollars. And Larry tells him, I'll give you $1,200, and then you can come to paint with all deal. Because, you know, we couldn't have done this whole thing without you, and I really want you to be there. And Cody's like, well, it's incredible. I thank you very much. And Larry tells him that, uh, you know, that was a thank you that matched, that matched the gesture. And uh, he walks away. So there's, there's a very proper thank you. Larry's very happy with Cody. So then um, Murray comes over, and he uh, he thinks... Larry tells him that he thinks that we should change the number of redheads in the harem scene from six redheads to four redheads. Mm, yeah, agreed. Which Larry thinks is a good note. So, you know, they're so far, you know, they're they're uh, communicating nicely. They're taking they're taking advice from each other. And um, Murray notices that Larry is wearing the very pants he was wearing yesterday. And Larry's like, "What's the big deal? Like, I just you know, I." Took off my pants. I put them on a chair. The belt was still in. They're clean. It's fine. I do this. I Larry's completely right. There's nothing wrong with wearing the same pants two days in a row. Yeah, of course. Pants are like a jacket. Larry's right. It's not quite a jacket. You can't wear it like every day. But <laughs> yeah, you could wear the same pants. Back. Like also, yeah. it's like what I have to wear these blue, generic blue pants instead of those. Like who cares? Like there's no fashion here. Like it's fine. They're pants. Um. <laughs> Larry, Larry accuses this is like 1984 where you have the fashion police outfit tracking him and Murray's like I was just making an observation I don't you don't get all so worked up and they walk away from each other um, you know now, now things aren't as smooth as they were just moments ago so we head over to Lynn's dressing room Lynn is uh, checking out a bunch of outfits Larry walks in and continually everyone who he comes across thanks him for the paintball yeah. Why, why is everyone so psyched about paintball? Especially, I wouldn't think like a Broadway musical crowd would be like a huge paintball crowd. But maybe I'm stereotyping. I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, and Lynn tells the wardrobe manager that he needs more robe options. Mm. And Larry Warbs, you know, you're, this guy is going to have one foot out the door. You keep, uh, you know, yeah. I like do this. like how they're establishing people are taking sides early. Yeah. 
And Lynn assures him that there's no, it's not that anybody likes Larry. It's just that they, there's some people who also hate Lynn. Yeah. Or one person Um, actually. (laughs) Yeah. He assures him that, you know, it'll be fine. We're in the weeds together. It's Mm -hmm. all good. And Lynn tells Larry that great news. I actually, we, um, we hired this lady. She's a signing lady. So now we can have deaf people can attend the show. And Larry's like, deaf people want to go to musicals? Like, uh, why don't we have like a separate show uh, just for the deaf people? <laughs> and Lynn accuses him of being a rabid anti-deafite. You're just going to segregate the deaf into a separate but equal show? He's like, oh, special but equal. Um, yeah, you shouldn't put the deaf people in a separate show. That doesn't. That's not nice. Yeah. Lynn's version is more nice, but you don't want to have a lady that, just, that you want people to watch the show, not watch the lady. So, yeah, so Valentina and her husband arrive, and uh, Lynn goes over to greet them. He introduces them to Larry. They have some very lukewarm pleasantries, certainly not uh, commensurate with someone who is letting you stay in their house. Now, did you, um, do, you recognize, and, do, do you recognize Ernst here? Oh, uh, I didn't know. Who is so it? This, I so mean, he, I recognize them, but I couldn't place either of them. So he's Flula Borg, and I, I actually didn't know who he was. Do, do you listen to Conan O'Brien's podcast? Occasionally, not really. Okay, so it's it's one of my favorite podcasts. He Conan O'Brien is really excellent as an interviewer. And anyways, so he has this guy on this German comedian named Flula Borg uh, a year or two ago, whatever it was. And Conan is just going nuts for this guy who I thought I never heard of. And then I went online and looked up all the stuff, and I'm like, I sort of caught up with him. And yeah, he's absolutely nuts in like the best kind of way. Um, so I know that in 2017, when I saw this episode, I didn't know who he was because I saw that episode, I heard that episode of the Conan podcast more recently. But knowing who he is now, like as soon as I see him walk up, I'm psyched to see him. I was like very excited. Cool. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, so I, I, don't, I mean, maybe I was just recognizing him for last time I saw Curb, uh, but they did both look familiar to me. Yeah. I guess I should look on their IMDb. Maybe I'd recognize them from something random. Mm. That happens sometimes. Like sometimes like, I'll recognize someone. I was like, oh, right. They were in like some random episode of the West Wing or Seinfeld or whatever. It's like you recognize them from that. Like they don't have to be that famous to recognize someone. Yeah. But it's like something you've seen a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, so he asked them how long they've been married. And they say a couple of years. But they, they're, they, they seem very like distant and you know disconnected yeah um larry asked him if they have kids so like no we have cats instead which is so what, you know it's fine what is the explanation for their personalities like swingers should be outgoing friendly types i would think so this isn't a, this is right. nothing so, to do with the swinging yeah so like the way it's like starting like and again i i did not remember at all where this was going i had no clue so like when i first saw this when i just watched the scene this week and i don't remember what i thought originally when i saw it several years ago but when i saw it this week i assumed that this was going to be some sort of like green card marriage or like some other weird thing like that where it's like oh obviously like this is like a sham marriage of some sort um yeah i mean i guess they're just like i guess the, i guess they're trying to say people who are swingers aren't into each other but i don't think that i don't think that's true i think yeah see, are... I, I, I think i don't think the swinging has anything to do with the other issues that, that they're having but i'm not sure what they are so. yeah yeah right like usually you would think they would be like bit like you know very loud personnel i mean i guess that's also a stereotype yeah, there's probably like a lot of just like super lame swinger parties where everyone's like <laughs> very uh, other than wanting to have sex with well, strangers. But, but they're is, super friendly. It's like very uh, intro- su- introverted and they're super friendly as soon as their other friends come over. They're only like this to Larry. So I, I think it's just only, that they think that, maybe they're only friendly to other swingers. Well, I think it's just they yeah they see Larry as such a square ball loser asshole that they're just like they're only nice people they're interested in and they're not interested in him. Which is what makes them assholes because, you know, he's giving them his home. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Lynn, uh, Lynn tells them to go upstairs, tells Larry, 
you know, they got they got directions to place. And he says, great, go feel free, make yourselves at home. And they get they give him a very unenthusiastic thank you, which very much allows Larry the wrong way. He turns to Lynn. He's like, what is it with you, Miranda? Is you're missing some kind of thank you gene or something? What's the problem here? Yeah. Do we know who's and who's the cousin? Is it is it is it Ernst? Is it him or her? It's, um, no, it's Valentina. Is Valentina the, the cousin? Is the cousin? cousin. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so um, Lynn's like, I heard them say thank you. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, this is I think I would say this falls under the uh, category of it's not what you said, it's the way you said it. Yes. Which uh, you know is a thing that sometimes people say. Mm. And uh, he takes some robes and leaves the room. We continue on with rehearsal. Larry's watching on stage, and Cody calls for the signing lady to come up on stage, and everyone is ogling her as she makes her way to the stage. The show begins, and uh, Lynn's, you know, one of the other uh, people on stage, um, he forgets one of his lines because he's too busy ogling the signing lady. And uh, one of the people in the crowd who's, like, also watching, he's, like, uh, also, like, you know, no one's paying attention to the show because there's a lady on stage. And uh, Larry gets him back to focus, and uh, he sees that even Cody is, you know, he's the director of the show is not paying attention to the show because he's looking at this lady. Well, Seinfeld told us what happens when cleavage is is visible. That's right. Yeah, you have to, you know, only take two seconds and then you look away. It's like the sun. Yes, but very distracting is what I meant. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Yes. Well, yeah. There's, I guess, there's several uh, episodes involving boobs on Seinfeld. Yeah, it's the boobs episode, isn't it? It's, um, it's the same episode. Is it? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Jerry explains yeah, 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 to right. Elaine that you have to look. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but you look like looking at the sun, and then Elaine uses the fact you have to look to you know man- you manipulate Russell at the end of the episode. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Look, Costanza. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um so yeah so um the whole room of applause lynn tells larry that he, do- he doesn't think the scene worked well he, like maybe we should change some things to make it funny or larry's like no this scene is funny you know the, the situation is great like his life defends on being a good house guest but he can't help himself he's like making a mess he's not doing the dishes like that's funny they make a whole um, thing problem- about muesli versus granola aren't they kind of the same thing i thought muesli was just like a european term for granola honestly Honestly, I don't even—I never even heard of muesli before. Oh, in Israel, I, get so I just totally glossed over that. And it's granola. Got it. As far as I know. Got it. Um, it. And Larry says, "No, the scene is great. The problem is that that lady's tits were distracting all the men. Men will look at tits over anything. You could be watching a baseball game where it's bases loaded, bottom of the ninth inning of Game Seven of the World Series with a three-two count, and someone changes the channel to tits. You're not going oh, back to the baseball game. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I've—I've I've, I've now discovered the answer. The answer is muesli." the the grains like the stuff is unbaked so it's the uh-huh. same it's like it's like grains and nuts and seeds and raisins and stuff but everything in muesli is unbaked whereas granola you know adds you know honey and syrup and but granola is better basically Muesli's baked sounds better. better yeah 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 i prefer baked yes um Yes, men will always pick tits over anything. Mm, oh, that would yes. be a good one. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I'll pick tits over anything. Yeah. Should have gone with that. Mm, okay. So you also it's have the scene. Color. Yeah. Well, I just thought of it now. Um, it's the scene. It's the tits. Scene, tits, scene, tits. <laughs> and uh, Lynn accuses him of scapegoating the signing lady and asks Larry to fix the scene. The signing lady will stay. Again, Lynn gets his way, right? Yes. Um. Apparently the Mer- and he says sorry and walks away. Yeah. Apparently the Miranda sorries are just as bad as the thank yous. Larry uh, takes away from that. Um, okay. Now can we go to a clip? Sure. 
This one has Leon. That's better, right? You like clips with Leon? I like Leon. Yeah, Leon's pretty good. Yeah, Leon's a good character of Curb, right? <laughs> You've made it this far. That's our conclusion. Yes, we're pro Leon. This is a pro Leon podcast. All right, let me find the thing. Sorry. Is I'm there not... possible to be an anti Leon podcast? Who would go to the okay. length of, of making a podcast about Curb enthusiasm if they didn't love the Leon? <laughs> for the character? for the for the purpose of just, I can't yeah. wait till we get to those seasons where you can play how annoying Leon is. Yeah, JB Smooth, terrible. <laughs> What a terrible character. I can't believe they introduced him into bring back Cheryl, less Leon. <laughs> Larry Cheryl's really needs someone more responsible to help him uh, make good decisions in life. So, okay, let's back head back home to Larry's house and see Larry and Leon hanging out. He's going to fill him in. You heard me. $1,200. $1,200 fucking dollars to skip a day on his real job to come with you guys paintballing. You're a good guy. Thank you. I'll respect you for that. People don't think I'm a, I'm a nice guy. Basically, you're paying this motherfucker to shoot people with a goddamn paint gun. See? You know, I just realized mm-hmm. I gave this guy 1200 but he wasn't going to make 1200 That's his gross. Mm. They're going to deduct taxes from what he's getting. He'd only wind up with 700 or 750 The guy just made $500 off me. You fucked up. See, when you give somebody money, you got to add that shit up in your brain. We need to point out that this entire time, as Leon's talking, he's like waving a knife in his hands. Yeah. It's very funny. He's like just disciplining with a knife. Yeah, not clear why. Very, It's very disconcerting. You FICA. You take the fucking difference out. You FICA. I'm not FICA. You FICA. Up. Does Leon know what FICA is? No, but you FICA. Or is it, or, yeah, or this is like um, writing it off. Yeah, it's a word that he heard. <laughs> that, yeah. It's a, he knows it has something to do with like, you don't get as much money or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, why, why is Larry assuming that Cody wouldn't report the twelve hundred Larry gave him his income and pay taxes on it anyway? Of course he wouldn't. What are you insane? No, no person does that. I mean, he was going to report. He he's an independent contractor. He, he's not a salaried employee. The other guy was going to yeah, write him a check would... for twelve hundred. This guy's writing him a check right. for twelve hundred. Why no, do you assume the other guy was gonna... one and not the other? Because the other guy was going to issue him a ten ninety nine because he wants to deduct it against the cost of the play. Or the commercial. Yeah, they were, okay, they were paying yes, him on the yeah, books. He's not. Yeah. He wasn't being paid off the books to direct a commercial. Yeah, but why are you assuming it's off the books, Larry? Why? Why are you assuming he's not a man who's going to report it and pay his taxes like an honorable man? Because <laughs> he's not. Because nobody what, does that. What kind of aspersions are you casting <laughs> on our good friend Cody Gutcher? You know, the truth is, he does seem like a stand-up fellow. Yeah, but yeah, maybe I'm. Yeah, because there's no way Ron Swanson is reporting that. I don't know. Lance, Juan Swanson's in a government employee. Yeah, but he's probably against Yeah, that. he is an know. honest person, but he doesn't believe in government, though. Yeah. So. Yeah. He's not he's not going to voluntarily pay taxes that he doesn't have. To. Anyway, but like, it, so this is like the setting up of the conflict between Larry and Cody. Like, really, like this, they couldn't come up with a better idea than Larry gives somebody money, but then realizes that he should. Like, <laughs> it's like, whatever. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's very, it's very stupid. Listen, and, I, and Cody's I'm just completely right. Like one of the greatest shows of all time. So who might have criticized? Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, no, no, we, yeah. we, 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 we're allowed to pick it apart. It's okay. Yeah. Larry and Jeff's feeling this won't be hurt. So we said mm. one of the 110 episodes is not great. Yes. Well, it happens to be a bunch of them in a row have not been great mm. on this particular run. But, you know, you go out and write 100 great episodes and then 10 not so good episodes. Okay. It's a good challenge. It just made money on you. It's a good challenge. Ah, hello. Ernst, Valentina. Can we pause for a second? Okay. Yes, I have a poll. I have a question. You can go. We might have okay. the same question, but you can go first. These two people are traveling internationally, are here for, for some unbeknownst length of time, are hosting a party, a very unique party, where they know that Larry is not going to have the supplies necessary. Look at the size of Valentina's bag. 
No woman on earth has ever traveled with a bag that small for a trip of, I mean, we saw how much Susie took for a few hours to San Francisco. Right. Uh, just play yeah, another right. five seconds and see as Valentina walks in. Look at the size of this tiny, tiny bag that she's carrying. Or yeah, and you and we know that at least one of those bags yeah, is entirely in. filled with like sex, sex toys. toys and loot. Yeah, exactly. Look at that thing. That's a joke. Yeah. It's like the well, size of one yeah. book. <laughs> So completely ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So my question is, this scene suggests that this is the first time that they're arriving at the house, right? Yeah. So that yeah, they saw each other at the. At, but in the previous the house, he to- he told them to go ahead. Like they know they have directions. Okay, but they right? chose not to. Perhaps I don't know. Yeah. Fair. Okay. It, it, yeah, I think it's I think it's a mistake. Mm. Like I don't think that I don't I think it didn't line up. Okay. Um, they should already like they this should not they should have already been here. They should have the key already. They're they've already made themselves comfortable at this point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but oh, whatever. Uh, let's continue. They're making an offer. You have to accept it. Looks great. <laughs> oh, this is Leon. He lives in my guest house. Hello, Leon. I like that look. Oh. Yeah, I like that jacket. Thank you very much. Hey. My mother gave it to me. Your mother gave it? Really? Mm-hmm. They make that bag for men? Yes. This bag is made for men, women, anybody who enjoys carrying things around. You two are married? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So you got on one knee and asked her to marry you? No, no, no. It was during the intermission of Swan Lake. I just looked to her and said, will you marry me? Okay, that's a ballet, all right? You got it? Last one. No, no, no last one. You took it on top of her on, on the honeymoon night. Shut, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Get out of here. I'm just asking questions. Uh, no, don't ask any more questions. So pause. Okay? Shut up. Um, you guys interested well, in a uh, house tour? What, what, what is Leon implying here? Leon seems to be implying, I think, that Ernst is gay and this is not a this is like a sham marriage for that reason, I, I guess. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was saying before. That's the way this presents the first oh. couple times you see them, right? Oh, okay. Oh, you I can see they're like it's a well, that's what I said before. Like, it was like you, I, that's what I felt when I first watched it, you know. I just thought they were just the weirdo, obnoxious, like European. Yeah, was, so I, in the first scene, my, my first tweet was like, oh, is this like some, it's like some sort of like green card marriage or some sort of like sham situation Like they're clearly like not at all into each other. They're just like, yeah, they, they I look, see they, that. Like, they're he very plays distant, it up. They're very... Yeah, he's carrying the bag. He's wearing his mom's jacket. OK, fine. Yeah, I, I didn't. I missed that. But <laughs> yeah, but like, but again, Maybe 2017 before. Yeah, but you're, yeah, as you said before, though, like, that, that doesn't ring consistent with, you know, swingers leading an active swingers lifestyle. Well, I think it's that he's very free flowing sexually and he's not, you know, strictly heterosexual in the traditional American stereotypical way, perhaps. Right. Um, he's a libertine. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess he does there's, what he wants. I guess, in, I guess in theory, there is something to like the notion of like, if well, if if your main attraction is to go have sex with a bunch of random strangers at a party, then how are you? How into your wife are you? But again, like that, that obviously this is all like um, I, I see. I, I didn't based get that on pop plan. culture, but like stereotypes of pop culture is that like swingers are just like very like free loving and like they love their wife and they also love these strangers and they just yeah. want to like you know be out and about and out there. Uh, but that is all. That is also I don't I don't know any actual swingers. So this is also just based on what I've seen in movies and stuff. So I have no idea. Just not this is not consistent with my perception of people who live this sort of lifestyle. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I my again, I read it as they just think, oh, these people aren't cool enough for us. But Leon yeah, usually yes, is just sir. like, you know, has sex coming out of his pores. So I'm surprised. Like, right. He doesn't participate. They don't invite him to participate. So it's a little surprised. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Leon, maybe, yeah, there was. Maybe, I can't believe there maybe was, they're racist swingers. I don't know. 
it's kind of ridiculous that like if you would have told me there's going to be an episode of Curb where there's yeah. going to be a swingers party in Larry's house, but Leon will not be involved. Yeah, he's there, but purely as a way. <laughs> he's there. He's right. He doesn't participate. He's not invited. He's not. He's not well, so, involved in well, any way. What Leon is to Larry, these people are even to Leon. They're like you know three levels above. <laughs> right. right. They think Leon is super tame. He, yeah. He, oh, he's he only fucks eight bitches at a time. Not yeah. interested. <laughs> Eight? We do minimum thirty. Yeah. If, it's, if you're not simultaneously fucking thirty people, yeah. well, to be fair, only fifteen. Bother. There was fifteen people at the party. We'll find out later. About oh, fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fine. But that's double what Leon does. Yeah. Leon wouldn't do fifteen. Yeah. Leon can't handle a fifteen-person sex party. Yeah. Will you be joining us, Leon? Yeah. Cool. No. What about that? Will you be joining us, Leon? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> This is great because this is like obviously unintentional. What for me is like a throwback to one of my favorite scenes in all of Curb, which is crazy. Yeah, it's actually a perfect callback. No, to the well, oh, that's a good point. Uh, but I'm thinking more of the the producer's finale scene where the guy shows him everything in a hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, a door window. This yeah, is, yeah. Yeah, this is very similar to that. Just it's yeah. the role reversal. Now, Larry is the yeah. is the you know the is the hotel guy. But Larry's showing things that they might not know about, like how to. Open yes, it. yes, but it's a similar. But they're treating him like yeah, we know. Yeah. Thank you. Before I forget, this little gadget, okay? Watch this. You want the curtains down, you press that button, now you stop it, now they go up. Isn't that great? I love this thing. Love it. <laughs> I don't see why I would ever need that. No, no, look, look. See, see why is she such an asshole? Voila. <laughs> That's got nothing to do with uh, him pretending to be gay or yeah. anything. Like, yeah, she's right. just being an asshole just to be an asshole. Um, oh. Bedrooms are upstairs, and uh, there are two guest rooms if you'd like. Why would we need two bedrooms? Nah, no, no reason. Uh, no reason? We're husband and wife. Why don't want to like, oh, this guy is DTF. He's like, yeah. I assume you guys want to have a swingers space. party here. Yeah. You can use as many bedrooms as you want. The house yeah. is yours. Yeah. It would be better if they, if they had, if it was it resulted from a misinterpretation that he thought they were offering him. That he was offering them the benefits of the entire house for their parties. Yeah, uh, you know, now as I'm rewatching these scenes now, like for some for some reason, when I watched the episode last week, it did not dawn upon me that like the implication from Larry and Leon's perspective, uh, the way it was presenting is we're supposed to think that Ernst is gay. I don't know how I totally missed that, but I think that is very yeah. obvious. Yeah. No. Yes. It's they they think it's a sham marriage. Yeah. Although again, that wouldn't explain why they're being like cold and standoffish no, to other people. Right, to Larry, right, to Leon. right. Yeah. <laughs> gay just, people are nice sometimes. It's poorly explained. Yeah, some, some I'm sure some, are nice. Some are I good assume people. are good people. Yeah, are nice people. <laughs> I, I, I'm the whole the whole thing confuses me. How they're acting, how they're supposed to be perceived as being acting by the different parties. It's very confusing to me. It's uneven. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> really? Mm. You want names? Okay, oh, this is I'll great. Give you names. Uh, <laughs> Pete Rose, uh, Tony Perez, Johnny Bench, uh, George Foster, Dave Concepcion. Alex, Dave please Concepcion. rank them. Tell us the rankings of each of those players on your charts relative to each other. Where are right. they all on the all-time Cincinnati Reds uh, team? By far, my favorite moment of this uh, episode is the fact that, <laughs> that Falula calls Larry out on his listing the 1970s Reds, the big red machine. Very deep cut. You know, like, even if Ernst is a baseball fan, you know, this team was before he was, maybe he was a baby at best. So uh, his familiarity with them immediately is very impressive. By the way, my parents sleep in separate bedrooms. My parents insist that like everyone of a certain level of class does so. 
like my parents insist like oh it's like well like like they've bragged to me like when they've like looked at houses and they're like oh and there's a, a master suite with two separate rooms like they insist this is like a thing that's done by lots of people um so i don't know Interesting. Like, yeah I'm, I'm not getting into this debate with my parents right now but i'm just saying like you know larry could have thought of somebody other than the 1970s reds but i love that he did and he's <laughs> called on it all right so please let me know where are all these people on the all-time cincinnati reds team Wait, you actually want me to look this up yeah, don't you have like your all time? You, this is like why sure, you're on the podcast for yeah, stuff but, like this. Yeah, but do you think that like I have, you know, I have like pile of folders and folders and subfolders and subfolders? All right. Um, oh, I, I assume you have things handy. Okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. All right, my Reds all time team. Oh, that's right. Okay, there you go. That took five seconds. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Okay. We have. Um, so who did they say? They said Joe Morgan, right? Uh, let's let's play it again. Let's go one by one. I know they say Pete, they start with Pete Rose. Tony Perez is in there. Johnny yeah. Bench. George Foster. Not a Hall of Famer. Separate bedrooms, couples. Yeah. Really? Mm. Like who? You want names? Okay, I'll give you names. Um, Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Yeah, I got it. Pete Rose. Yeah, who else? Uh, Tony Perez, Johnny Bench, uh, George Foster, Dave Concepcion. Okay, so we have to- Pete Rose, Tony Perez, David yeah, Concepcion. Okay. We got five. All right. So, oh, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, Pete Rose. Bedrooms. Yeah, I got all five. No, no reason. Oh, no, there's six, though. No, there's five. No Pete reason. Rose, Johnny Bench, we Tony Perez, George well, Foster. That's right. I think we missed one. one. Bedroom? No, but I know. That's what I think we missed one. Separate bedrooms, couples. Yeah. Really? Mm. Like who? You want names? Okay, I'll give you names. Um, Pete Rose, uh, Tony Perez, Johnny Bench. Uh, George Foster, Dave Concepcion. Oh, you're right. They only get yeah, five. Okay, six. go ahead. Yeah. So He's the, a six. Ernst the, is wrong. The one they don't mention is Joe Morgan, actually. Who was, right. He's the who best one. Actually, the best, of all, although we didn't know it at the time because his right. batting average was not 300 because he walked a million times. So, yeah, but in hindsight, uh, Joe Morgan is by far the best. Well, I mean, I, you know, Johnny Bench is also an all-time player. But so I assume Johnny Bench is the best of those five. Um, No, Joe Morgan. In terms of well, Chester, it, Chester it, War. No, Joe Morgan wasn't as mentioned, was he? No, oh, he wasn't mentioned. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm of saying the of big the... red machine. He, yeah, so Johnny Bench is. The I don't best. care about the big red machine. I, oh, I care okay. about the guys who are in the episode. Johnny Bench is the best. Also, he plays fifty. By far, years right? For the oh, Reds. P- yeah. So as yeah, a red, Pete he's Rose the best is second also. best. I'm guessing. Yeah, so Pete Rose is second best. Plays actually, he plays about eighteen years because he also ends his career in Cincinnati. Um, for those, yeah, I would guess Eddie Perez is probably third best, right? Tony, Tony Perez. Tony Perez, sorry. Yeah, Eddie so, Perez is the catcher from the Braves, right? Yeah. So I actually, yeah. So Tony Perez. Played um, 13 years for the Reds is in the Hall of Fame. Should not be in the Hall of Fame, um, but, right. uh, is, but he is. George Foster was actually better as a Red than Tony Perez. Is not in the Hall of Fame. Foster is not. And then Dave Concepcion, who played 18 years, played forever there as a shortstop and was, you know, a, a longtime shortstop, but not, you know, he was fine. Nothing was fine. special, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. his career overall is better than George Foster's. Because George Foster was a corner outfielder who couldn't field and, you know, just had a little bit of power. But, um, yeah, but um, yeah, Joe, Joe Morgan is the best and doesn't even get mentioned, so too bad for Joe Morgan. Got it. Okay. Old baseball players who are married but sleep in separate bedrooms? Yeah. Even the Hit King. <laughs> even the Hit King. Yeah. Hit King especially. Especially the Hit King. Yeah. Well, we sleep in a bedroom together. Yeah. You know what? Um, let's forget about it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Was that an apology? <laughs> no good? There wasn't really any emotion to it. Yeah, your eyes were bouncing around like a cat with strings. Yeah. Well, I'm really sorry if my apology was was not sufficient. 
you've just apologized for your apology? Yes. Well, that was better than the first apology. Well, why don't you just use that apology? You know what, Larry? We're gonna go upstairs okay. to uh, the one guest bedroom. Perfectly acceptable. So I'm just I'm so confused by. I understand that Larry thinks it's a sham marriage, a visa marriage, whatever. I don't understand why they would be so obnoxious to Larry in Larry's understanding because of that, or in Leon's. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I don't understand what, what what Larry and Leon are supposed to think. I don't understand why they're acting that way. Uh, this whole thing is it's funny. Well, it it's it's kind. I mean, it's understandable that they would like that. They would find it obnoxious that he's like assuming they're not really together. No, but like, but they're that, roots him for the very first step. They're immediately yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. yes. Yeah. But I think they're. I think it's appropriate for them to be rude in response to this. The rest of it, they should ah, be nice about. Offering somebody two bedrooms is not a rude thing, you know. Well, when the implication is that you're not like you're like you're so obviously like not really together, like I think that's offensive yeah, that's to say to yeah, a married couple. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you say like, oh, how many rooms do you guys need? You can have two rooms, one room. Oh, one room is fine. But you know, I, if you. you and your wife, if you and Jen went to stay at so, uh, someone's house and they're like, yeah. well, I assume you guys want separate beds, separate red rooms. Well, he didn't like, say I assume. He said if you would like, there's two rooms available. Uh, okay, I, if he was like, well, I, I don't think I, I don't think, think Larry's offers rude at all. The motivation behind I think it mo- might be. I think most people would take offense to that, given what the implication seems to be. But the impli- but but Larry doesn't imp- is does Larry imply something or does the context of the show? <laughs> yes, La- no. Two minutes ago, Leon was like, "Did you guys lie on each other?" On your yeah, husband? yeah. Well, that's like, Leon. Yeah, okay, fine. That's okay. That's true. In the context of what Leon said, yeah. But Larry, since was they walked in the door, everyone is saying you you, you people are clearly not really together. Yeah, this is a okay. sham. We don't really yeah. know what's going on, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Fair. Um, if now it happens fair. to be they're terrible, so they deserve to be rude too. But, yeah, you know. But they're only terrible um, to, to to the non-swingers, to those in the lifestyle. Yes, yeah, so uh, no, they they yeah. love yeah, they love swingers. If you're in the club, yeah. they're very nice to you. Yeah. The they'll even have sex with you. Got yourself some shit this time. <laughs> a of yeah, these are these are guys who are a million times worse than the, his last house guests, right? Yeah, Leon Black. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so we head back over to Jeff's and Susie's, and Susie's telling Larry all about the new kitchen, which she's already done. Such- Why does she keep bringing up the kitchen in every single episode? <laughs> she's Enough obsessed with the kitchen. With the kitchen. Yeah, she's more. Cows are you especially like it? <laughs> and Larry is with asses. Hmm. Remember, when Larry was obsessed with yes, asses. Yes. Oh. She's telling him about, well, you know, I'm such a great host. And she asks him if she's, he has worked out how he's going to be able to do both all and the wedding. Uh, Susie tells Larry that Sammy's really looking forward to his speech and her, her, him being at the wedding. And he says, you know, one of the great joys in my life has been watching Sammy blossom into the wonderful woman oh, she is now. Yeah. And Susie's like, oh, that's so nice. Do you really mean that? And Larry's like, no. Yeah, amazing. Um, and Susie tells Larry that uh, Sammy's in-laws are going to be joining them and that they're deaf. Mm. And she goes to pick, you know, greet them at the door. And Jeff looks at Larry's size. He's like, "Man, this house." I'm guessing he's probably no longer with the hot realtor. So now it's now all he does is have a more expensive house that he doesn't. Yeah, have. yeah. Turns out that wasn't going to be a long term relationship. <laughs> yeah, he didn't think that. Uh, well, as we said, she, it yeah. was a long con for her. She knew exactly what she was doing. Good for her. <laughs> right, she got her commission and moved on to a different yeah. club to manipulate. Yeah. So Susie tells, uh, so Susie comes and brings over uh, Sammy's in-laws and introduces them to Larry, and they shake hands. And uh, Larry has to have Susie sign for him because he doesn't really understand. Mm. And Larry asks them if they were set up because they're both deaf, and Susie ignores that, telling them, "Don't worry, he he asked a stupid question." Yeah, but and 
this is the second this because there was also the episode with uh with tim meadows right where we saw that Susie already knows sign language so she didn't just learn from her machatonum here right so jeff's like i don't think it's a stupid question i would also like to know how they met and um i guess they don't, we don't really get an answer uh victor's mom goes to the bathroom Susie takes her larry wants to eat but Susie says we can't eat till marty gets here we're waiting for marty again yeah, and uh, Victor's dad asks Larry to hold his horses and sign, and Larry's like, "That's the sign for holding your horses. Mm, like this yes. should be the sign for holding his horses." Like a whole motion where he's like, you know, he's like, you know, using his arms, and um, yeah, Larry, Larry deciding to improve sign, sign language. language this whole thing is really improving. Uh, yeah. This whole thing is a great bit. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that, that that this should have been like this could have been like they could have built an episode around. Yeah, sign. well, they've actually already done language. this, right? They've Talk had misunderstandings. Well, the whole show's misunderstandings. No, but specifically with signing, didn't we have that with um, guys? What there was a, a, a wife that he got into an argument yeah, with. Yeah, Tim Meadows. I just said that like two minutes ago. Right. I think we have a lag or something. Right, and with the black guy, and then he thought he was black. Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So Larry tells Jeff how Lynn got this sign lady for the show who has these huge boobs, and everyone can't stop looking at her. It's ruining the show. And Victor's dad gets catches, you know, him doing giving what I guess is the universal sign for big boobs. That's both in sign language and also in just regular language. Apparently. Everyone understands that one. Yeah. And and Larry tells him about the whole thing with the interpreter, and uh, he keeps you know making the big boob motion, and <laughs> Paul signs to them that he also likes big boobs. Mm. Um, ground. Yeah. Who knew? Deaf people also like big boobs. <laughs> So Marty comes in and he uh, delivers a heartfelt apology for showing up late, and Larry yeah. loves it. I now, hold on. Why is Marty TV, so... wasting this apology on LD and Jeff instead of saving it for Susie? Mm. He wasted. We wasted the good apology on you. Yeah, exactly. Susie, I feel like is the um, one who is going to be upset with him here, or should be anyway. Yeah, he, he tells Marty that's the best apology he's ever seen. Yeah, I mean it's a great apology. So, yeah, and now it's time for dinner. Yeah. And um, Paul's, we see as everyone's walking to dinner, Paul's wife and, and him are uh, signing to each other, saying that that's actually a really great idea. We should hire a, a sign lady for the wedding, which is like, how has that, like, how has that not been thought of? Like, because the mom is in the bathroom while the dad finds out about the big boom sign link. So these guys, it's the dad is, oh, I have a good idea. Why don't we do this? And the mom's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Right. No, but they, I'm saying, no, they yeah. should know about Why did they already sign, have it? Sign, Right, like yeah, that should be like should a, an obvious thing that's at a wedding where the parents of yeah, one of the people getting married are both deaf. Like okay. they, they're going to want to understand what's being said in the ceremony, right? I'll allow it, yeah. True. <laughs> like, oh my God, did somebody can do sign language, the thing, the, the language that we speak exclusively. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It should have been already planned. Good point. Yeah. It's not like there's going to be people there. It's like literally the people making the wedding, like, mm. you know. I, I don't think Sammy and uh, the PTSD war hero uh, are paying for this wedding. If I had to, yeah, guess. they don't seem to be heavily involved. It seems like just to be uh, their mom's <laughs> friends for the most part. Yeah. Um, okay. Back over to the theater. Uh, Larry's watching the scene with uh, Lynn and uh, them arguing, repeating the same with him and repeating the same outfit. By the way, this and, guy uh, who's Mer credited, he's credited as husband number one, Chris Sullivan. He plays the yeah. husband who's hosting Salmon. He gives me real uh, Eitan Benarch vibes, which I think is the second time we've mentioned him on today's episode. Is he it? I don't remember what he looks like at this point. It's not just his, oh, look, I, I, his I, acting. I no, know. no, I, no. I, I think I understand what you're saying. I think I, I, I know who you're referring to now, and I, I think I kind of agree. Yeah, it's cool. No, no, no. I'm just saying. 
I'm, have to, I'm trying to visualize the person. I oh. didn't notice that at the time. Uh, okay, that's fair. And uh, Murray's watching from behind stage, and he realizes, like, this is, you know, they're just, this is what happened to me yesterday with Larry. He sees Larry cracking up and watching the crowd. Mm. And uh, Lynn and the cast continue going on, and Murray is a little upset. He walks away. Yeah. Uh, can we watch the deleted we go- I want to know what, what did he say? Stop it. I'll delete it. I'll just delete it. Stop it. Get off me. I have not yet. I have not watched this yet. All right, Salmon. I think it's time oh, okay. for right, you right, to go. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can no. We just, mm-hmm. Before you start the song, can there's the muesli. Okay. Uh, there's Larry, Aton. What, what are yeah. we doing? Going backwards. Backwards? Are you kidding? This is hilarious. I hear it. This is the coup de gras that's going to get you kicked out of the house. It starts the whole ball rolling. Sorry, is, is outfit tracking a big deal? Of no, I yeah. no. What? <laughs> what? Oh, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Why? Somebody don't know that well, all of a sudden out of the blue, says to you, you're wearing the same pants two days in a row. Maybe I was late, okay? Maybe you didn't have time to take a belt off and put them onto another pair of pants and go through all those loops. And I would miss a loop because I'm in such a hurry. And you know what it's like to miss a loop? It's not fun, okay? But so what? Yes, I went to the bathroom. I didn't put the pants on the floor. I made sure to hold them. And then when I ate, I, I moved my stomach all the way up to the table. No crumbs dropped down, not, not a single crumb. I don't wear underwear two days in a row. I don't wear socks two days in a row. Oh, but a jacket, a jacket, that's okay. Nobody makes a comment on a jacket. Only pants, though. Pants get singled out for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, okay. Okay, we'll, we'll do the same. I mean, the robe is still not right. Greg, this robe is, I look like Garfield's fucking dad. I realize now I referenced this a few minutes ago and you probably had no idea what I was talking about. Uh-huh. I said, oh, but a jacket. Yes, uh, pants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, right, again, right. yes. much like last week, I feel like this deleted scene is very funny and could have stayed in actually. Yeah. The only thing I would say that I think is it, the reason why it's a good deletion is that like, I think the Murray being upset, like worked better when it's like, it's not, I guess it's not subtle the other way, but this is just like, so like on the nose to have him like literally yell literally what that I'm, I'm annoyed that Murray did this to me. Yeah. And, and just for our listeners at home who didn't see what we just saw and only heard the audio while Larry's going on that rant about pants and uh, yes. tracking, the camera keeps cutting to F Murray Abraham with his arms crossed angrily uh, watching this from the side. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just like so much more like bad sitcom to me. Yeah. Of- yeah. Right, like the person, like literally announcing, like how much he hates the person while the person is listening. Yeah, but I, I, I do like, like, like I, I like it better that it was just like he put it in the play. Okay. Yes, fair. the rant at the end is very good, and then yeah. like, he starts throwing in and pants, and it's not at the end. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, okay, but now we're gonna go back for a clip for me, and a clean that was a clip that was actually in the episode oh. and not deleted from the episode. Oh, is this is this when the swingers come over? Yeah. Wait, how are we at the wedding? Oh right? no, you went too far, I think. Yeah. Okay. No, you're right. No, I, I didn't. I didn't cut it. It's fine. We're oh, because what I was gonna say is, so the swingers come to visit Ernst and Valentina, and the girl walks in when Larry opens the door. She throws her purse down on the floor of the entry hall and then goes up the stairs. That's like the weirdest thing I've ever seen. You come to someone's house, you put your <laughs> purse with all your like, you know, your wallet and your phone. You throw it on the floor and then you go to another part of this house with totally other people to have sex with them for a while. Very, yeah. very no, You're right. Yeah. Very unusual behavior. Oh, uh, man. We still have a lot to go. Yeah. Well, that's these, these episodes are much longer now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So basically, it's the swinging party, which Leon will tell us the next morning. 15 people were there. And again, somehow he was not one of them. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, Larry has to head out, and he's trying to pick a pair of pants, but he can't wear his favorite pants because he doesn't want to get called on it by Murray again. Hmm. How so much we time head over it take to, to put a belt on, by the way? Yeah, but I hear it. It's like, I do that a lot. I just like, I take my pants off. I leave the belt in. I throw that on the like, yeah, same pants with the belt already in you it. You put on pants that are so loose that as you walk from your closet downstairs to your car, you oh. have to pulling them up? Like, <laughs> no. My, my, my son, it was actually, this is kind of cute. Um, he, um, he played football in the fall and he was very, very good. Actually, it was very exciting. And he had this one play where he like, and I can say in the video, cause it's like my highest moment as a father. He like totally like he fakes a cut and he like literally like broke this kid's ankles or not literally, but this kid like falls over trying to like react to him. And then he starts running down the sideline for what looks to be a touchdown. And then he stops and he ends up getting tagged. And the reason he stopped is because his pants fell down. <laughs> <laughs> so he also failed to put a belt. He had a belt on with the uh, with the flags, but he never about to keep his pants up. Actually, a drawstring. Oh man, you got to wear good pants. You got to wear good pants. Yeah, cost him a touchdown. <laughs> um. So yeah, Lynn's uh, Lynn's doing some paintball instruction. Cody's mm. picking up guns, and uh, Larry tells him he's really happy idea. to see him. I, I will give the episode credit. I- I will give the episode credit that like as soon as they're like, oh, they're going to do paintball. You're like, well, someone's obviously going to get shot in the face. This is obviously a terrible idea. But the way it comes about is not what any of us would have been expecting. Right. Or or were you, were you expecting a duel because you were expecting the Hamilton thing? I definitely don't remember what I expected. I definitely probably wasn't then because I don't think I even like was really had seen Hamilton or even knew the songs yet. So I probably I mean, I knew obviously Hamilton died in the duel just from history. But like I, it was like I wasn't familiar with like the plot of the play or anything. Hold like on. That. This, this um, must have been this came on a couple of years. Hamilton was already huge by then. Yeah, I didn't get into Hamilton right away. I got into it a little bit late. Okay. Um, yeah, Hamilton, and I'll say Hamilton even even I watched in two and a half years before this episode. Yeah, and I don't. I completely forgot this. Even when I was watching yeah. it the other day, I did not remember that the end of the scene is that Lynn gets shot by. Lyle. Oh, I had no idea. No, I, I didn't I, either. Yeah, I completely yeah. forgot about it. Yeah. No, they do a good job. Um, you don't. Uh, neither one of us saw it coming. Even having seen yeah. this before, we still didn't even see having it. seen it yes. and and being very familiar with the plot of it. So it is very. This is this this is the part where it does do like the producers thing a little bit, where it's like yeah. pulling in the meta of what the plot, you know. Um, so it does do a good job with that, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he's like, Larry's like, you know, I'm really happy to, because it really does a good job. Yeah, no, that, that part, they do pull off very nicely. Um, Larry tells him he's uh, happy to see him. Although I do kind of feel like you're ripping me off because you would have only netted 700 on the gig. And it's kind of feel like you owe me $500 now. And, uh, Cody calls him a prick and Larry says, you're a prick, which, uh, Cody's Cody is astonished by, and rightfully so because of the, the words that he says, which are just like absolutely correct is, all I did was accept your gift. Like yeah. I, I was supposed to be like, actually, no, Larry, I think you're an error because technically I only would have netted 700. So you should really only give me seven. He's like, no, you, you offered to give me $1,200. Well, well, and on. I said, yes, obviously accepting a gift does not make one a prick. But if the person asks for a portion of the gift back, although it is a prickly thing for Larry to do, you should just give it back. Yeah, you should. But like it's Larry's completely in the wrong here. Yes, like, of you, course. You gave of it course. to him. He, yeah. he took your gift. He said, thank you for it. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of the transaction. Yeah. I feel like this is a thing and, we've seen incur before, though. Someone gives a gift and asks for a re-gift and they refuse. No? Am I misremembering something? Um, it sounds right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that that's happened to you in life before, where you give someone something and then you realize, oh, actually, I'm not allowed to give that to you because it's someone else's or my wife. Y'all, like, that's never happened to you before? Where you Maybe, had to reluctantly, to reluctantly re-gift? Yeah. 
I think that's him. But the, yeah, but Larry maybe. has no reason to, except that he just wants some stupid principle of I don't want you to find the yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Larry's yeah. Um, <laughs> so Cody, Cody's like, why, man? Why do you keep pulling your pants up? <laughs> and Larry tells him because he doesn't want to repeat a pair of pants because I don't want to get called on it. So I pulled a random pair and I forgot the belt and now my pants are falling. And uh, Cody informs him that he won't be giving him back the money and uh, tells Larry to have fun with his pants. Yeah, and walks away. Mm. Um, Murray comes over and he wants to have a word with Larry. And um, Larry rants at him because he couldn't wear his favorite corduroys because then he would notice and I would be repeating a pair of pants and he would call me out on it. So I had to wear these pants. And Murray tells him that he saw the scene that it's based on. So interesting. So they must have had to do two versions of this scene because there needed to be a version where he said, I heard you like specifically yell about like that. That's what he would say. Like I was there when you did that crazy rant about how, you know, I, you know, I, observed your pants um so yeah so you know and i know that was based on you know our conversation and he tells larry that i feel very judged by you and that i'm being tracked by big larry and larry assures him that big larry is not tracking big murray hmm. so uh by the way, yeah, is f murray doing, abraham two th- names or three names <laughs> um it is it's not i don't know i guess yeah initials don't count yeah harry s truman is three names all right no. Yeah, because uh, Harry S. Truman, wasn't that his name? Oh, me, oh no, isn't that? Oh, the S doesn't stand for anything? Yeah, his middle name is the letter S. Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. so yes. Oh, so he should have, was he in the bracket? He should have been no. the bracket. Well, no, because he's dead. They didn't have deads. Oh, oh, no deads. Yeah. No deads. Only, That's very discriminatory lies. against the deads. The deads, should, the deads should have their own bracket. Yeah. But it's like. Separate but equal bracket for the deads. Like, it's, but as, 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 as Akiva did say, it would be like Franklin Delano Roosevelt against Martin Luther King. Like, you know. It's a tough bracket to squeeze into if you're like some random. I mean, like, I think you go with TV pop star I think you go 90s. with Martin. I think you gotta go with Martin Luther King there. Yeah, but what about against Melissa Joan Hart? That's tough for Martin Luther King, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I go with Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Exactly. Case in point. Yeah. Um, Butros Butros Gali is he alive? I don't know. I mean, that's a hyphen, so it shouldn't belong. But based on the way they were allowing things, anyway, it should belong. <laughs> that's a great name. Yeah, Butros Butros Gali is a great name. Or is Ali G called a Butros 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 Gali? Which would be good for the five <laughs> yes. name bracket. That'll be next. Yeah. That'll be the the sequel, the sequel mechanism. Mm. To <laughs> the three name bracket will be the five name bracket. Five. Yeah. <laughs> to Matumbo, it's like Wordle. Again? Yeah. He has a lot. Of, yeah, it's like Wordle. They just keep adding more different, more, more different words. Yeah. All right. Dikembe Matumbo, his full name is Dikembe Matumbo Mopalando Mukawamba Jean Jacques Wamutumbo. So he has six names, unless you include the hyphenated John Jock as seven, Akiva style, in which case he has seven names. So, yeah. There was a wordle this week that the internet was very angry about. Which one? It was watch, which people didn't like because there was like seven different words yeah, where you just catch, replaced watch, the first letter. Catch, hatch, yeah. yeah. There's no skill so, at that point. So, so I, I got it in two. Which is very funny because I, I haven't played World in a while. Like I did it for whatever three weeks, and I had enough of it. So I saw the internet was very upset. Like, oh my god, Wordle! I can't believe that was the word. Whatever it was, something, whatever. How crazy Wordle! So I go, I'm like, all right, I, I want to play today. I guess I want to see what this is all about. So I log on and like, you know, I do the first screen where it sh- and it shows you, you know, the examples. I was like, oh, I bet everyone is like annoyed because like one of the example words was the word and like people are like that's so stupid so i typed in weary which is the was the, the first word that they show you there so then i got the w and the a and then i figured out watch on the second turn so it's like oh. well, i don't know what everyone's complaining about this was an easy word mm, yeah 
Um, so yeah, so Lynn walks up to Larry and asks him if he's asked for his money back from Cody. And Larry tells him he feels cheated and confirms that he did. And Lynn tells him it doesn't work that way. And Larry can't show a good gesture and expect a gesture back. And Larry feels Lynn that he should have told him that Valentina and Ernst were swingers. And he's like, I said they were interesting people. <laughs> and Larry uh, continues to be upset. He's like, I've shown them kindness, but they left the house up, turned upside down, a huge mess. They broke my curtain remote. And <laughs> Lynn makes fun of him for having a curtain remote, what a stupid thing to have. And he tells Larry that he's a gesture rescinding motherfucker, uh, which makes everyone else laugh. And <laughs> Larry says, well, at least I don't have cousins who are sex degenerates. So Larry, Lynn hits him across the face with a glove and tells him, you've insulted my family name. And I demand satisfaction. Yeah, Larry's the bigger asshole here in this scene, I think. Calling them sex degenerates. Um, I, I focus on the fact they destroyed your house and broke your beloved remote and the hot tub. Yeah, just leave yeah. it right. Just leave it at that. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Larry crosses the line, but I still think Lynn is worse. And Larry's like, yeah, yeah. literally still like, telling him, like, you sent your cousins over to my house and they to, destroyed my house. To, like, to, yes, you should be upset. You should be apologetic about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All like, right, that's so, not cool. So Cody steps in um, when um, Lynn challenges Larry to a duel and says they're going to use Code Duello Irish version. Okay. Did you look oh, this up? Interesting. No, no, I did not. Let's hear okay, it. So, so I needed to know what is Code Duello? What is the Irish Code Duello? So Irish Code Duello is, uh, which was adopted at the Clonmel. And by the way, we have Irish, uh, an Irish uh, uh, mailbag writer every single week, postman writer every single week who may go into this himself. I don't know. But uh, the Irish Code Duello adopted at the Clonmel Summer. Sorry, sorry for if we're stealing your thunder, Olin. Sorry, Olin, yeah. <laughs> adopted at the Clonmel Summer Assizes. I apologize for my mispronunciation of all those words. In 1777, for the government of duelists by the gentlemen of County Tipperary, County Tipperary, County Galway, County Mayo, oh, terrible county, County Sligo, these are not common counties, I've heard of like County Kent, and County Roscommon, and prescribed for general adoption throughout Ireland. The code consists of 25 rules and several footnotes. Who wrote these? Me? <laughs> Rule 16 gives the choice of weapons to the challenged party, but the use of swords can be avoided if the challenger swears on his honor not to be a swordsman, making it easier and more practical to duel. Typical weapons were cased dueling pistols tuned for identical appearance, reliability, and accuracy. Although here they're different, aren't they? Because that's why Lynn reaches for one before Larry can grab it. Oh, interesting. That could be. In, in America, the Irish code eventually supplanted the usual method of brutal hand-to-hand combat and gave the combat a respectable feel. Ah, so in the, in the early days of American duels, it was basically a wrestling match. And then at some point, um, before Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton got involved, it got they changed it to the Irish Code Duello. However, since the combatants could not control guns as precisely as swords, gun duels had a greater chance of being fatal. Yes, I would imagine so. When you're shooting a gun at another person, there's a high likelihood of fatality. Uh, some duels miscarried because both opponents. Well, that's 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 one of the big jokes of Hamilton, right? Like the, yes. the line of most most disputes die and no one shoots. And but every duel in Hamilton, somebody gets shot. Yeah. Some duels miscarry. It's like, and like, you know, you know why? Because you have two people trying to shoot each other. So there's a very high likelihood of someone getting shot. I don't, oh, interestingly. OK, so the Irish code banned the custom of deloping. Deloping is deliberately discharging one's firearm into the ground well away from the opponent. This custom was used when one or both duelists, one or both. I mean, I hope it's both because if it's only one and you're that one, you're fucked. This custom was used when one or both duelists wished to end a dispute without inflicting bodily harm or appearing cowardly. The Irish code forbade the practice because it often resulted in accidental injury. Yes, that's exactly what happens here. 
1838, the governor of South Carolina, John Lyde Wilson, published the Code of Honor. Blah blah blah. blah. Um, okay. Anyway, so yeah. So basically, yeah. So the the Irish Code is basically what uh, Alexander Hamilton and um, and Aaron Burr use in real life and in the play, and so that's why that's what they're using here. Yep. So yeah, they each choose a gun. They uh, each choose a friend. That's their seconds. Mm. Um, Larry seconds is uh, Greg, the the wardrobe guy. Murray yeah, is uh, Lynn seconds. Better choice. Um, yeah. Turns turns out Greg uh, doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they load it up. They take their ten paces, and they turn around to shoot. He puts his pistol in the air, and uh, we uh, I guess we're cross cutting now, right, between the wedding and uh, and the duel. Yeah. And uh, Jeff is walking down the Sammy down the aisle as Larry is pacing away from Lynn. His pants fall off and he reaches down, down to pull them up and accidentally turns and shoots Lynn in the mouth. Um, and uh, Larry insists that he was going to throw away his shot. Uh, well, I guess we'll never know. Well, so I don't understand the point of this duel. And, you know, we can get into Hamilton also like they're both supposed to fire in the air or which is they're both. What is the point of deloping? Why are you doing it then? I mean, the, yeah, what are we even doing here if we're not even yeah. going to shoot each other? Yeah, that's the point. We're here to shoot each other, especially when it's yeah, only I people, mean, so it can't kill you. I mean, societies have had all sorts of silly rituals mm. where I know nothing that don't make sense, this. right? We, are, yeah. we engage in silly rituals? <laughs> Certainly I'm not familiar with any yeah. such. Okay, uh, what are you dressing up as tomorrow? Yes. By the way, deloping, now I'm on that Wikipedia page. The practice, yeah, um, you have uh, deliberately wasting one's first shot in a pistol duel to abort the conflict. Forbidden by the Irish Code Duelo. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. The, the most notable use, of course, is Alexander Hamilton uh, in fiction. Do we get Curb on this list? Uh, no, Hamilton was wearing glasses, though. Why, if not to take deadly aim? Mm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm oh, just well, asking questions. Yeah, rather than firing into the ground as was customary in a dilope, Hamilton intentionally fired into the air over Burr's head. Burr, perhaps misunderstanding his intent, yeah, then shot him and fatally wounded. Him, blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah, they should really be clearer on the ground rules of where you're supposed to do the fake shot. Yes. In the duel, like, because like, otherwise someone's going to get shot, then you may as well just shoot at each other if someone's going to get shot. Yeah. Because, like, right. if someone's going to get shot, I'd rather be the other guy. Let, let's avoid duels. Yeah, no duels. Duels yeah. are not needed. All right, so we, we keep cross-cutting. Um, and, uh, oh, no, now Larry's Larry in the ambulance. Him. Why is Larry in the ambulance, by the way? Wait, no, 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 we're not, we're not in the ambulance. Uh -oh, we're there. There. Uh -oh. uh, but we just need to point out that first, they're not just... Um, you know, satirizing Hamilton here. They're also satirizing an all-time great commercial from the 1990s. Which one? Do you not catch the, that reference? The Got Milk commercial. How, when he shoot, he oh yeah, yeah, remember yeah, the Got yeah, Milk? Yes, 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 the yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's, that's what he does when he has the paintball. Yeah, because he's got so the paint, making, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They're referencing that commercial too. Oh, good job. I didn't pick up um, on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great uh, night's world because uh, for those who are not familiar, there was a uh, it's like a radio commercial. And uh, they're asking like a trivia question to which who it was who shot Alexander Hamilton and the guy in the commercial knows and he's, he's like he calls he, and he's the caller and he's right he's eating peanut butter peanut butter sandwich and they say and so what's the answer he keeps going Aaron Bird he can't say it and the, then the punchline is got milk you know if he only had uh, could only yeah. wash it down he would have won you have to explain to our younger viewers that like before the the before 2015 that was a harder trivia question. Before uh, I thought you would have. I said. I, I yeah. thought you were gonna say you have to explain to the younger but viewers that we used to watch television. Yeah. There used to be these things between the scenes. Oh my god! Happens. I started watching. I started watching um, <laughs> the Great on Hulu. Have you heard of the show The Great? Yeah, I watched both seasons. I I I liked it a lot at the beginning, and then it kind of just like wore on me. Mm. me it's like a, the show is like a. It's like a lot. 
I wish it was 15% less slapstick and like a little more serious. I mean, it, yeah, like, I also, I, yeah. But the reason I, I brought it up it is because be... it's on Hulu. And apparently I don't use Hulu enough to have noticed this. I have like the, the Hulu where there's commercials during it. Oh, but if I'm you don't like, pay, the, yeah, if you, you, yeah, you, you can't pay more to not have them. them. It's the worst thing in the world. Well, you could pay to not have them at all. Yeah, I should definitely it's like $3 pay more, more a month. I should pay, yeah, for the $3, finish the series and then stop. Instead, I'm stopping every five minutes to watch two minutes of commercials. It's very annoying. Yeah, you should pay for the extra yeah. the commercial free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the great should be 30 minute episodes. It's like it's too long. It's like too much of like this, that note for so long, I find. Yeah, I'm only in three episodes in, so I haven't found that issue. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. very good for a while. I mean, I some people love it all the way through. I got, I got sick of it. It was just like too much of that same one note. Okay. Huzzah. They say huzzah, huzzah a lot. Yeah. You'll see. You'll be in it'll be the end of season two. <laughs> they still say huzzah a lot. Oh, that doesn't change? Okay. Huzzah does, does not go away. Spoiler alert. There's a lot of huzzah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of... Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 so do like, back to, I do like I do like a delightful jest. Bravo. That's a good uh, reaction when someone gives a bad joke. <laughs> or just j- jape. The word um, jape in general. We got to bring jape back. Jape is a good word. Yeah. Let's make yeah. jape happen. Mm. Um, we cut. Co- we go back to the the wedding where Susie's wondering where Larry is, and he he asks Jeff to call him. Uh, meanwhile, the sign lady goes up and starts uh, interpreting the wedding, and all the men, Lewis, Ted, Victor, his best man, <laughs> Jeff, all distracted by the boobs. So uh, Susie goes up to goes up to her because she notices what's happening, and she kicks her out of the wedding. The men are very disappointed, but uh, the wedding can now go on. And now we go back to the ambulance where Larry's trying to, you know, justify. He's, I'm explaining. I didn't mean to shoot him. He gives him a heartfelt apology, and uh, Lynn tells him. That was commensurate with the offense. And Lynn proceeds to ask him if she'd like to apologize for anything else, like, for example, falling asleep during Hamilton. And Larry starts to explain, you know, I took the painkillers because I fell because of my shoulder when you wrestled me in the office that time. And Lynn's like, oh, so now you're blaming me for the fact that you fell asleep during Hamilton? And Larry's like, I guess, kind of. And uh, he's like, you know, I really did love the show. Um, And he's like, starts telling me about Alexander Hamilton. He's like, you know, you know, I uh, the first act was great. He's like, that's yeah, the first song. The first song, yeah. <laughs> um, and he wants to know if he can get him tickets again. And Lynn's like, well, I'll see what I can do. And Larry's like, like it's your show. Like you should be able to get tickets for me. Uh, it's at that moment that Larry finally realizes that he's running late for the wedding, and he goes to the ambulance driver. He's like, "Can you make a stop? It's like one minute that way. I need to go to this wedding." And they're like, "No, we need to go to the hospital." Which quite convenient. Right. The hospital on the way. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, the ambulance driver's right. It's it's you know it, it's annoying, but like you know his job is to take this guy to the hospital. Not yeah, he's not an Uber. For Larry, yes. yeah, Larry can't take Uber though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, no, well, we as our uh, dear listener uh, pointed out, I forgot who it was. I apologize. Um, it was just, he did have a, actually have a, his rating wasn't one. It was just that one trip. His rating was higher. Yes, yes. Remember he said this. He said this. We saw the screen grab. Yeah, yeah. remember his name. Yeah. Um, He's like, we got to get him to the wedding at the hospital. He's like, it's going to be a lot worse for me than it is for him. You don't know this woman. And uh, the driver tells him to get lost. And Larry has an epiphany. He pulls out the card from his pants. He calls Marie from the other day. And um, we go back to the wedding where um, Susie is like, still like, where the hell is Larry? Jeff doesn't know. And she's like, we got to start the speeches. He tells the cameraman to get the hell away. Paul and his wife noticed this. They're like, oh, man, like we. This is the, you see. They, this is the first time they noticed that Susie's crazy. It's like also, it's like how many times have they hung out that like you, that she didn't do something crazy? Doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like she was on her best behavior throughout the whole engagement. Yeah, very strange. 
Um, so yeah, so Marie walks in. She's like, "Hey, I'm Marie. Larry couldn't make it. He got. He sent me his speech. I don't know. I don't know how. I was just one of the questions I wanted to ask Casey. What she thinks is, how did she get the copy of the speech? You think he he like dictated it to her over the phone? Yeah, could he have emailed it? Maybe he typed it out. Quick. Yeah, probably dictated it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so she gives the speech. The audience is very surprised. She keeps going. And uh, Marty goes to show is like her name is Marie and Larry rents her, <laughs> which is a great line. Yeah. Um, Sammy, this is the speech. Sammy he says, "Sammy, I can't tell you much about marriages, but I have two words to you: separate bathrooms." Which we just, we we cut to Cheryl, the audience mouthing along, <laughs> knowing exactly what he was yeah. going to say. See, if you can have separate bathrooms, why can't you have separate bedrooms? Very different. Mm, you do what you need to do, and then you go get some rest. I mean, yeah. I personally am not like this, but that's, I'm just pr- yeah. presenting it. An opinion. I don't know anyone who I don't know anyone who does that. Yeah. I, I mean, know people who have separate bathrooms. Like I, I know a couple of people who have like very wealthy who have uh, who have like made like his and her bathrooms in their um, master suites. Um, well, but see, separate. I've never heard of people. Why do you need separate bathrooms? Why not? Just oh, you don't. <laughs> why not just get, you certainly don't. But see, but even if you have all the money, why not just get one bigger bathroom so you can like, you know, be getting ready on opposite sides of the bathroom and have space, but still be able to communicate with each other. Yeah, I know one. I know one person who um, is not permitted to um, defecate in his master bathroom. So we don't have this, but like hotels have it a lot when like the toilet part of the bathroom is like in a separate enclosure, like a separate room. Yeah, yeah that's very smart. We don't have that in our house, but it'd be a nice thing to have. Yeah, so he has to he has to he has to use one of the other uh, bathrooms in the house for uh, number two. Yes, I think we've discussed. I think it's very yeah, yeah, probably. Well, it's you know it's something that's worth discussing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um. So, um, Susie, yeah, Susie walks up to her, stops her, chases her out, apologizes to the audience, and uh, wants the speeches, you know, other speeches to continue. All right, let's. uh, Let's wrap this up. We're going to go into the very final scene of season nine. I talked to Lynn's doctors. They said he'll be fine in about six months. Six Uh, months. That's crazy. He's moving on to other projects. He's done. Fatwa's over. Our investments are gone. Lewis lost money. Danson lost money. I lost a ton, okay? I told all these ladies I was a big time Broadway producer. <laughs> nice shit. So how much did we lose, Jeffrey? We lost a lot of money. We're, we're gonna have to sell the house. We are not selling that fucking house. Didn't you wear that sweater yesterday? What did you say? What the fuck did you just say? Well, don't get so excited. Yeah, I wore the sweater yesterday. So what? What are you, outfit tracking me? I'm not outfit tracking. I yeah. asked you a simple question. Sure sounds like you're outfit tracking. So what? I didn't work out in it. I wasn't on the subway. I didn't go in public toilets. The sweater's clean. You can wear a sweater two days in a row. It's not a shirt. I didn't wear a shirt two days in a row. It's just a sweater. What are you, a fucking lunatic? You're an outfit tracker, and I don't like it. You can wear the same sweater two days in a row. Oh. Here's your fruit salad and your veggie burger. Oh, veggie burger. Beautiful. Beautiful. Enjoy. Thank you. Hello. Where's my food? Oh, Jen hates us at restaurants. Real pet peeve of hers. What are you, a fucking lunatic? Yeah. And that's a series wrap on uh, the legendary Bob Einstein, Marty Funkhauser. Um, Hmm. Pour one out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What a way to go out, though, asking Larry if he's a fucking lunatic. I think he knows the answer. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we, um, we have one more scene. 
um, where Larry walks out of the restaurants. Uh, he's singing Spoonful of Sugar, couldn't be happier. And uh, as he's singing, a man across the street spots him and calls him out. He says, I know you, you're Larry David. And the man begins to approach him, and Larry starts to run away as the man recognizes Larry from the Fatwas. And he's uh, he's chasing him, and uh, he's yelling, I'm going to kill you, Larry David, even though Larry's like, no, it's off. They, they called the Fatwas off. And he, uh, he chases him off screen. And uh, season nine comes to an end. We made it. Yeah, and possibly at that point, for all we knew, as it is with every season, maybe the the series, M- M- much like last... Sopranos, is Larry alive or dead? No one knows. Well, I was I was going to say two of the last three seasons of Curb now, and in a such a way that you could interpret that Larry's dead, right? Yeah, yeah. Season eleven, also he's in the pool. Mm-hmm. You know, possible interpretation. Yeah, and we'll have to. I don't remember how what the final scene of season ten is, but we'll see that one also. I think that's like the uh, smoke of Joe's and, and Latte's Larry's burning. I believe. The, the, the restaurant that burns down fire. again? Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, Av, what is your rating for this episode? I'm going to say this episode was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, I'm going to go with a two and a half, um, which is, I think, a little bit better than I expected. I felt in the first pass. I actually wrote down back to two and a half. I just like, as we went through it, like a lot of the stuff just doesn't doesn't really make any sense. Like the main um, tension here is kind of like, eh. Um, there's not a ton of funny. The, the musical scenes are good. The, the Hamilton stuff is very good at the very end. Um, but there's just, and it's like, you know, this episode is just so long for 48 minutes and a lot of it just like drones on, um, unfortunately. Um yeah, I just I you know it's I, I think there's a, there's some stuff there, but it's like over 48 minutes. It just makes it even worse. Like if this was a 30 minute episode with all the best parts, it could have been a good episode. Yeah, and you know as I always say, it, it's it's great TV. It's a great episode, just you know not by Curb's high standards. Um, I think that the, there was better episodes throughout the first half of the season. We're like, well, why did we remember season nine is not being good? And the answer is because the second half of the season just pounding out you know bad episode after bad episode. Um, I rate this one similar to you. I say it's pretty, pretty good. That's two pretties for me. So just below you, I have it number 79 on my overall ranking, which is one spot ahead of the rat dog, which is the other episode we referenced earlier, which features a deaf woman who is insulted by Larry. Ah. So, yeah, those are back to back in my rankings. Oh, come on. Be a come with guy. Uh, I'll go first with my uh, my come with gal. Um, Marie is always available in a flash. And, you know, that's that's good. But to me. I'm going to have to give it to uh, Tina Siramarco, who plays the interpreter. She is a real life interpreter. This is her sole sc- screen credit. And, um, you know, she this is her only chance is her only time on TV. And she really takes advantage of it. I think she is the come with gal everywhere she goes. She's the life of the party. She a Broadway show, a wedding. She steals the show. So great job by Tina. Uh, very good. Uh miss my uh my last opportunity to do so and uh maybe not it's not necessarily the episode for but i'm gonna go with the funk man i think he does you know he does give a very heartfelt apology um tells yes larry if he's a fucking lunatic at the end um but yeah i mean uh it's just been such a pleasure getting to revisit uh this character of the last uh you know i don't know how many maybe he's in like 15 episodes or so over the course of the series a lot and a lot of it very like back heavy like so we really spent a lot of time with him yeah. over the last three seasons or so and just like really one of the one of the best i mean he's like obviously he's not like the core four but like in terms of like other than like larry 
and Susie, who I, you know, I, of the, you know, core four, Jeff and Cheryl are kind of the straight men and women. Um, you know, I think it's Leon and then like Funk is like right there next as just like the most iconic Curb characters. So, um, you know, the show hasn't been the same without him. Um, and, uh, you know, we will uh, we will miss watching Curb without him going forward. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more in season 10 because season 10 was clearly written with him in mind. Uh, whereas by season 11, at least they had adjusted. Um, yeah, so a little bit of a, a career achievement award. This is the sixth time that Marty has uh, gotten to come with Guy. Here's the interesting part. Three times for you, three times for me, never in the same episode, ever. Very so cool. We, we each were tickled by different um, Marty moments at different times. You did season six, episode one. I did season six, episode three. I did season seven, episode one. You did season eight, episode two, alternating. Um, I did season nine, episode six, and then you did his final episode here uh, as, a, as an achievement ca um, capping that great career. So yes, a little bit the opposite of, of, you know, I give someone who's in one TV show once for five minutes. You did someone who's in TV for like his whole life. But you're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. <laughs> what about the, the fucking asshole? There's so many fucking assholes in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go a little. I'll just go chalky here. You know, I think you just got to go with the swingers who barely say thank you for letting for a stranger letting you stay in their house for oh, several days. And then you trash the house. Um, there doesn't really need more that needs to be said that, you know, hmm. that's giant fucking asshole behavior. Yeah, that, that's that's reasonable. I'm going to give it to I mean, there's so many assholes in this episode. Almost everybody's an, app, an yeah. asshole. Certainly the two you just. Yeah, mentioned. that's the that's the that's the show, Alex. They're all assholes. Yeah, it was I'm a gonna, setup. They're all fucking assholes. I'm going to give it to Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's uh, you know, you just gave a career achievement award. This is a little bit of a season achievement award because Lin-Manuel has been a prick all season and has been uh, somehow avoiding getting this honorific all season. But uh, by, by this episode, he really deserves it. Even, you know, I'm not saying he's always 100% in the wrong in his interactions with Larry, but but he he marvelously plays just this uh, stereotypical, like this huge prick version of himself. And um, yeah, so Lin-Manuel, you are uh, my asshole. Very fair. Mm. I would just stop with the Ted dance. <laughs> Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. I'm better than him. You're worse. <laughs> Much worse. All right. We have uh, two cameos in this episode. Of course, we have F. Murray Abraham playing uh, himself, playing the Ayatollah. I don't I think he's in between Richard Lewis and Ted Danson, right? Yes. Yes. He's definitely not Ted Danson. And he, yeah. And he's definitely not Richard Lewis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, Nick Offerman, who is uh, playing a character, of course. Is it time for the postman? Uh, yes, it is actually. Postman! Postman, come here! here Tell the neighborhood! What a shanda, Larry! Larry David! Not only are you a lousy Jew, but you're a lousy human being! He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair! A shanda! Maybe you should have given me some candy! You're a lousy Joe. The final postman of season nine. We start out this week with Joel Svet. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. C-V-E-T. My name is Joel, and I scapegoat tits. Come with guys <laughs> Ron Swanson for facilitating the duel. Mm. Fucking asshole is Big Murray for being an outfit tracker. Mm. And he gives the episode four and a half pretties wow. out of five. Solid. Great. So Joel, uh, very high on the episode. Next email is from... Joshua Schmitz, he says, hello, gentlemen. This episode ends the season on a fairly high note, especially for a season finale, because in Curb history, things aren't always tied up in the tightest of bows. Rip to the big funk in series rap. Come with guy is Lynn. Fucking asshole is Ernst. And the rating is four pretties out of five. Only Ernst, not Valentina. See, I think Valentina's worse. She's less friendly. <laughs> She's more obnoxious. She's the one, right? 
Ernst is a little bit friendlier. At least Valentina is family. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, uh, if you're going to give it, you got to get yeah. to both the way you did. Yeah. Uh, Jim Crumbly says Fatwa exclamation point was fine. Mm-hmm. It pulled in a lot of threads. Well, though, it ran a little long, a little long, a lot long. I would say I have a question about the ending. The show implies through Jeff's early amusing that some people may have missed that the fat was off. And that is why Larry's chase at the end. Is it possible that the fat was back on because Larry was unable to bring the play to the stage mm. with LMM in the lead role? That's a good point. That is a good point. Well, hold on, though. Was but but I they didn't. If you recall, yes, they said the fight was off, yeah. and then Larry says, "What about the play?" Right. And he says, "Well, actually, yes. you could do it if yeah, only if you get Lin Manuel." Right. So they didn't say yeah, you I, must have it with Lin Manuel. They said you must either do it with Lin Manuel or not at all. And he chooses or not do it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Sorry, Jim. Yeah. Um, also, you're wrong about daylight savings time. I don't even know. I though I find that whole conversation confusing. I don't know the right answer. I don't like switching the clocks. I'll no, say switching that. the clocks is definitely the worst. Keep either one before switching. <laughs> just pick the clocks one, right? Year. Yeah, pick one and whatever it is, we'll just we'll we'll deal with it. It'll be annoying for some months, but yeah, switching the clocks is annoying. Yeah, I, it's not the biggest deal, but it's like my it's kids did try to thing. my kids did try to negotiate with me tonight. They said, "But how can we bedtime? It's still light outside." It's like get used to it because it's gonna be this way for the next six months. Yeah, and, and forever. Yeah, they're, 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 there's <laughs> forever. a Calvin and a, there's a. Yeah, there's a Calvin and a Hobbes trip that about that that always resonate with me. That it's like being a kid is like depressing that you have to go to sleep while it's light out in the summer. It is. It's true. Um, so yeah. Lucky. Sorry, kids. My yeah. Sorry, kids. Um, yeah. I feel like it's just like ridiculous that it's 2022 and like we haven't figured out a better system than like we have to change the clocks and we change the clocks again at the end of the year. Like, yeah. well, let's make a time and like we'll, we'll work it out. Like we have a lot of good technology. We don't have to just switch the clocks. Especially by now, almost all the clocks are like you know on your phone or on your devices are automatically updated. <laughs> so like. The only ones I have to manually update at this time is my my um my microwave microwave and then we have one yeah. physical circular actually like analog clock in our kitchen that's oh. it I'm and down you're a car two. you have a fancy you have a fancy car so yeah the car is auto- automatically up- I think it's automatically updated mine doesn't I had to do my car um, I have a, I have a, I have a decent number of clocks we have a lot of alarm clocks mm-hmm. in my house like we have we have clocks around oh the house. yes yes we do it yeah Jen and I have one in our bedroom in old school and I have no idea why we have one in our bedroom my kids have ones in their room I, the we only value I guess of, is if you look at yeah like one near the TV yeah, I don't know. But also, it's like I we like I like having them because it's like I don't want to always have to like pull my phone out to see the time. Like I like just especially like we like I like having one like in like in the air in like the kitchen area. So like like in the morning when like we're like getting the kids ready and breakfast. Yeah. Like, well, like we always have like an eye. Everyone on the has one in the kitchen for sure. If you have yeah, one in your house, it's in the kitchen. Everyone's got a kitchen yeah. clock or the yeah, microwave. Cause yeah, because it's like you know the bus is coming in one minute too. Like you need to like it's like a, yes. it's like a close call every day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. He it's, says it's never calm when the school bus is on its way. Yeah. Um, so he gives it three and a half pretties. He says the come with guy is Cody, a stage director and a manager of duels. What a guy. Plus, Larry's in the wrong about the twelve hundred dollars. The gift is probably taxable anyway, as you said. Yes. If Larry wanted wanted to make sure FICA was paid, he could have had his account give the gift. Um, I, I don't. He might meet accountants. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, probably. But uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, Larry could issue him a 1099, or Larry could uh, give give get a gift tax receipt. Just or, or not even a gift. Write this off as part of the the labor for running the show. Like you, you're working on my Broadway. The show truth is, if it's if it's a, a gift, event. if it's a gift, it's not taxable because, because gift tax under, is paid yes. by the donor, not the recipient. And here, yes. this is way under the exemption. Thirteen thousand, like whatever. I think it was yeah, like sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So like, this is not taxable at all, actually. If it's if it's a gift, but well, if that's it's Larry's like, issue. Yeah, but see, I don't think it's really a gift though. I think it's part of his employment. He's, pay, right. he's paying him for a yes. job. 
I'm paying true. you instead of doing the job of filming that commercial, you're doing the job of coming here and playing paintball with your your colleagues. Right. Other jobs. Yeah. I think it's also that like when you have like a um, like employer like employee relationship with that with someone, and then you give them money, it's like almost always going to then just yeah. be characterized. Yes, exactly. As, yeah, it's a bonus. It's, it's either way, it's salary. Yeah. Is very in the weeds here on the tax law. I'll attack all the tax lawyers should write in the in weeds and, is uh, where the good stuff is. Right, what we got wrong. Right, that's where the good stuff is. And here in the weeds with this, uh, is this W two or is it capital gains? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Um, the fucking asshole is Marty Funkhauser. Ooh, man. First the poor apology, then the outfit tracking for shame. You, Jim hates dead people. Mm. Well, I think I think I mean, uh, Marty would have wanted it that way. Yeah, I would say, you know, he is kind of a fucking asshole for dying and not being in the last two seasons. So, yeah, you know, wasn't the nicest thing he's ever done. Mm. Um, OK, William Blake Blake writes, my name is Will and Larry rents me. Come with guys, Leon. If Larry would just let him get into the house guest business in increasingly uncomfortable ways, they would leave more quickly. By the way, fucking I'm, I'm looking. Funk- Marty Funkhauser was never the uh, fucking asshole for either you or me. Dr. Saul Funkhauser was Kenny Funkhauser was, uh-huh. but Marty never was. Fascinating. Hmm. I think you're being sarcastic. But okay. No, that, that's no. interesting. Yeah, well, you know, Marty's not a fucking asshole. Generally. I mean, he he, ha- he can be, but he, he, he's he much more that, the like, victim righteous than the aggressor in his interactions with Larry, for sure. Usually, usually. Yeah. But he, he does have a very, you know, self-righteousness that can can be asshole-ish. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, sorry. Um, we're still on William Blake. Who says my name is Will and Lyra and Larry rents me? Come with guy is Leon. If Larry would just let him go into his house guest business in increasingly uncomfortable ways, they would leave more quickly. Yeah, let fucking him ask asshole. <laughs> Leon, fucking asshole is Funkhauser. Two things I can't stand: an outfit tracker and someone who is perpetually late. All right, so back to back, fucking Funkhauser assholes. Funking the funking asshole. Mm. We should rename it that after him now. Um. He gives the episode two and a half pretties out of five. I thought I was going to love this episode, but when I compare it to other finales in the bottom four, for sure, not a bad episode, but the gag that LM swallowed a paintball was a bit too Adam Sandler, Kevin James slapstick for this show. That's true. Yeah. Literally that it flew into his mouth is kind of silly. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. It was a million to one shot, Doc. Million to one. Uh, Zach Brooks says the musical was pretty good. The clips of the musical were probably my favorite parts of the episode. Turns out LMM is talented. Yeah. The swinging couple didn't really seem to go anywhere and weren't really that funny of a payoff. Weird to waste time on that in a finale. I'd rather have spent more time with the signing interpreter. Would we all? <laughs> Come with, I give, would give it to the stand-in, who I think was named Marie, but Super Dave had a strong curtain call as the funk man. And the fucking asshole is F. Marie Abraham for being an outfit tractor. He gives the episode two and a half pretties. He also adds on to say at a 2.8 average season nine is by far my lowest ranked season. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, spoiler, we end off. That. The, well, that's just Zach's own person. Yes. One. Yes. We, we don't. That, that's fine. We end off season nine as we do, as always, with Olin Allen, who says there's so much in this episode I love, but it felt a bit dragged out. A bit opposite to last week's extended episode, which I felt was very breezy and didn't feel any drag, but didn't have any big standout moments for me to give it a very high rating. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this one is at higher highs, but like you really feel the time in this episode. I thoroughly enjoyed the musical performances and would have loved to have seen more. F. Murray Abraham was great as the close tracker and as the Ayatollah. Love seeing Flua Borg and had the wonderful offbeat stylish character. I was also excited to see Casey Wilson turn up at the time. Loved her from listening to Comedy Bang Bang and maybe even some Comedy Death Ray. 
Don't know why all the wedding attendees seem bemused at her speech. Surely 80% of the attendees would enjoy the entertainment of an offbeat speech being delivered rather than going through the usual motions. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know why they're upset. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you want some boring speech? Maybe they wanted to see this big celebrity, Larry David. Right, that's true. Most importantly, not the absolute best Funkhauser episode, but a great send-off for him. Nonetheless, the over-the-top apology and reassurance to Larry that he is his best friend was wonderful. He gives the episode three and a half. Total season average rating of 3.45, which makes it my joint fifth out of 10 series, tie with season eight. So a perfectly average season of Curve for me, which seems to line up with my prior conception of it being a good solid season and not the relatively poor comeback many others deemed it to be. Come with Guy is, uh, he says, Casey came close, giving a great stand-in speech, but sentimentality gets the better of me, and I'm giving it to the funk man. Olin and I are on the same page. Life has never been better. Hmm. Fucking asshole, two out of two for Lin-Manuel Miranda, so hateful and condescending to Lowry and the wardrobe guy, sending his mad cousins over there. I was glad when he got shot. And nothing about the Irish code dwell from Olin, so fortunately I did it myself. All right, good. So I'm glad that we got a deep dive on that earlier because we would have been uh, shit out of luck right now. Mm. Well, I don't know how official any of these rankings really are. All right, so in terms of ratings, we have an audience rating that averages out to a 3.42, which makes it number 51 out of, I I always do this wrong now, out of 100, right? Yes. Um, So really right smack in the middle of the curve. Well, 101. Oh, because you don't include um, the 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 episode zero, correct? No, I'm not including season ten. We've done a hundred and we've done a hundred episodes, right? No, but well, there's been ten episodes in each of the ten seasons we've done, and then there's plus there's episode zero, Larry David Curb Enthusiasm, the special. Oh, okay, fine. So fifty-one out of hundred and one. Yeah. Sorry, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Sorry. Which, by the way, that um, so right, episode yeah. is currently ranked fifty-four out of hundred one for me. So that episode is is perfectly in the middle, almost, which is pretty good. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Okay. And then you gave it a two. I gave it a two and a half. Uh, That's going to take it down quite a bit um, down to a 2.64. So that's for the the overall score is all the way down as number 81. Um, So yeah, let's, um, we should should do some season nine, uh, you know, retrospective in terms of rankings here. I was looking at how I ranked this season as a whole compared to the other seasons. And this is my lowest rated season by a fair margin of the first nine seasons. Uh, season six averaged a 2.8 for me. This season averaged a 2.45, so by quite a bit, uh, my worst season. However, uh, season 11, shockingly, I think, averaged only a 2.3 for me. So I need to revisit season 11, I think, which I will do in about two and a half months to try and figure out um, you know, whether it was just uh, my real-time reaction to something I'd never seen before is a little bit different than um, you know, rewatching. Yeah, I think, we, I think we said we'll do that. We'll do, yeah. we'll do an ep- like a, a season 11 uh, yeah. rewatch for, for one episode or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to, yeah, let's just, I mean, we, we, started, we, we did start out strong. Um, season 9, episode 1, we have as the 16th ranked episode. But then from there, we have 59, 71, 65, 99, 47, 51, 100, 86, 81. So, you know, we have literally, the, the, like, you know, the second the second to worst episode and the third to worst episode are both in this season. And then we have two more in the 80s, which is, you know, pretty low down. And then only one episode in the top 50. And that's uh, that's foisted. And that's the first episode. So, yeah. Yeah, you know it's 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 very understandable why uh, at least you know we we feel kind of down on the season as a whole. There's you know these are these are not the best episodes. The ones that were good were early in the season. The season really kind of dragged. Okay, so let's see where season nine ranks according to our 
cumulative rankings. Um, I gave season nine an average score of 2.9, which uh, makes it for me the third worst season, just uh, above season five, which was at 2.85, and season one, a little bit below that at 2.7. So that makes us out of uh, out of the 10 seasons that we've done so far, season nine is the eighth best season for me. Uh, Alex, for you, you have this season as a average score of 2.45, which makes it the worst season so far, um, ahead of uh, season 11, which you had a 2.75, and season one, you had a 2.95. So, um, oh, sorry, you also have season six at 2.8. So, but this is, you know, by a, by a decent margin for you, the lowest up, lowest uh, season of the show. Uh, similarly, the audience has this as the lowest rated season at 3.19. Uh, the audience... Uh, is then um, next for the audience just above that is a tie between season eight and season six, both at 3.49. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Um, season two is lower and season one is lower. Uh, but yeah, no, season nine, the worst season for the audience. And uh, no surprise based on that, uh, season nine is the lowest ranked overall season on the combined ranking. In fact, it is the only season of Curb that has a overall average below 3.0, the overall average for season nine being 2.87. Uh, all other nine seasons that we've done so far are all three pretties or better, um, with season one being the next lowest at 3.04 and then season five at 3.14 oh happy pie day just this week um so yeah so season nine pretty much across the board the worst season except for me i guess i have a couple seasons slightly lower than it but still very close to the bottom um so yeah that's that don't you hate to be continued on tv i mean the whole reason you watch a tv show show is because it ends if i wanted a long boring story with no point to it i have my life Okay, so next week, um, uh, what are we doing? Originally, we were going to do the Larry David documentary on HBO, which has now been suspended, and so and now we, not. Yeah, do we jump straight into season ten? Do we do we have a special episode? What are your thoughts? I think we're jumping straight in, unless you have an idea. I don't have any anything. Have really. we ever jumped straight um, from one season to another? Did we do it in the early seasons of this podcast? I don't remember anymore. I think we did it. I th- I'm sure we did. Oh, okay. Um, I like for for sure we went like straight from season one to season two, I believe. Okay, well, then next week uh, we will have Happy New I, Year. Uh, yeah. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? It's only March. Um, well, it's almost Rosh Chodesh Nissan, so it's kind of a new year in a sense. That's true. We all, we just had... Well, it's, it hasn't, well, it isn't too long it's, ago that it was not the a new year, uh, Rosh Chodesh La Yila Notes. We yes. had uh, two Bishvat recently. Happy New Year so, for the trees. Yeah. You know, it was just New Year. It's about to be New Year. It's always New Year. It's always New Year summer. somewhere. Yeah. Except there's that fourth one. I don't even know what it is, and I think I don't think anyone pays attention to that one, right? Where? What fourth one? In Judaism? There's four. There's four. There's Nissan. There's Tishrei. There's Tubishvada. There's a fourth that I think no one knows what it is. Oh, I mean, I don't think anyone listening to this knows more than the one. So you did pretty good getting to three. Fair. Um, all right. Yeah. So next week we will jump into season ten, which will be very exciting. The uh, the the season premiere of season ten, which I saw uh, live with Larry David in the room. That was very exciting. And uh, now I'll get to see it. Well, not with Hav Sinetsky in the room, I guess, but I'll get to discuss it with Hav. And that I think will probably be. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Get a life, Jews.